football podcast, your source for football and fantasy related news. I am Donnie Mack, joined here with Tony Cassett. Hey guys. And we have another guest joining us today, hopefully, hopefully sticking around. We have Eli here. How you doing? And today we're going to continue our coverage of the offseason breakdowns and moves by all the teams. But first, just since the last time we recorded, we've had some updates in the league. And we're going to bring those to you right now. So, Tony, why don't you tell us a bit about what's what's happened? Because there have been some big things that have happened in just the past week or so. Yeah, you know, with this whole COVID thing going on and, and just the office offseason and just really trying to get this year underway... There's going to be a lot of day-to-day changes. And so, you know, we're guys trying to bring you guys information and and tell you what you need to know for your fantasy football uh, seasons. Right now, this is not our day job. (laughs) We all have our day jobs. And so we're really trying to get together when we can and really get this done for you guys. It's a lot of content. It's a lot of work. And we're doing it all for you. And so please be patient with us a little bit on uh some some of this information sometimes a little bit uh, it's going to be a little out of date but we're always going to keep you guys updated as often as we can so moving into what we uh what has changed since the last time we were able to record is that we have damian williams opted out for covid reasons uh, from the kansas city chiefs now what this means is clyde edwards hilaire all day long he should be uh, he's being ranked close to the top five in the running backs this season and you can count on him he's already showing in camp that he's the guy every bit the guy that they drafted yep. him to be in that thing should first be time. it should be an easy choice because before we said well let's see but now it's yeah yeah edward Tillier <laughs> is, is basically when when is he going to inherit the lion's share of the load from damian williams and what's that split going to look like yeah now it's not a question. <laughs> really, the question is who's going to be the backup running back. And so you're looking at Daryl Williams, you're looking at Darwin Thompson, and you're looking at DeAndre Washington, the three Ds, right? Mm. And so uh, DeAndre Washington, don't sleep on them bringing him in. I think he's going to get a chance to get some uh, first-team reps just to uh, be ready to go in case uh, Edward Hilaire goes down. But right now I think they're looking at uh, Daryl Williams is, is right now the backup for Edward Hilaire. Uh, after that, you have Albert Wilson and Alan Hearns in Miami, both opting out. And what this means is Preston Williams, Devontae Parker, Mike Kosicki. The issues about volume that we were concerned about and if they were going to get enough volume to have the production they had last season, maybe uh, you were having a hard time trusting Devontae Parker and his breakout after four years of doing nothing. Mm. This is all good for him. Albert Wilson, I had projected to be starting in the slot and really take a lot of that volume away. Uh, you're, you're looking at Preston Williams, Devontae Parker, and Mike Kosicki all day long, and they should be relatively safe plays. Now, I don't think they're going to reach their upside on a, day, on a week-to-week basis, and, but you're not drafting them to be. Yeah. And so when you're taking them in the, later, in, in the mid and later portions of the, of the drafts, know that you can trust them there. Uh, and then the last part is the Patriots' defense is basically uh, Swiss cheese at this point. <laughs> um, Patrick Chung and Deonta Hightower have both opted out, and these were the leaders on their defense. These are two of the biggest playmakers on their defense. Really, all you have left is Stephon Gilmore, who's still one of the elite corners of the league, but he he's an island. He's going to take away the, the team's number one. Yeah. And speaking of Devontae Parker, Devontae Parker actually made Gilmore look foolish last year. And so this is not going to be the defense that we saw last year, so just be wary of that. Um, that pretty much wraps up our... Quick updates from the last time that we recorded. There's been a few other ones, but we're going to actually reach those in the NFC when we go over the NFC today. Okay. All right. And speaking of NFC, let's let's jump right up into it with the NFC North and our hometown heroes. The Bears. You know, we are the shy guys. <laughs> you know we love us in Chicago Bears football. <laughs> yeah. You know, 
I could spend the entire an entire two hour segment talking nothing but the Bears, and uh, I would love to do nothing but that. But I'm not going to do that to you guys. Okay? <laughs> there's a time and a place. Yeah, there's a time and a place, and to, and and so you know we are the shy guys football, but we're not just homers. We love football, you know, and that's part yeah. of what fantasy football and. You know why we love it so much because it gives you an investment into other teams and it gives you Definitely. a reason to be excited about other football games because we do love the game of football. Yeah. And so I don't want to spend too much time talking on this team. I want to. I, I'm going to try to budget things all evenly uh, throughout this podcast, and uh, I'm not going to let the Bears be an exception to that. And so jumping right in here, the biggest thing to talk about this team is the fact that they finished eight and eight last year, third place in the division. And really had a down year. Yeah. That to me is actually kind of encouraging. When you're 8-8 eight and eight on a really disappointing season, yeah. that means you have good expectations. Yeah. And with this yeah. defense, they should. Right? And still gave Bears fans a lot to be excited about. Yeah. Sure, absolutely. And they came you out know? with potential. Right. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. You know, um, this defense is the mainstay of this team. And the, this defense is, is, is so great with so much top-tier talent that they're always going to give the offense a chance to have production. And so... My thought process behind the Bears and all of their fantasy-relevant players this year is going to be their defense is going to give them a chance to have production, and if they have any kind of semblance of cohesion this season, they're going to look a lot better than they did last season, right? And so there's really nowhere to go for a lot of these guys but up, with the exception of Allen Robinson. He was the lone (laughs) bright spot on the team last season. 150 targets, this guy was a monster, and he was actually getting, getting it done. And so... The first thing to talk about is going to be Foles Trubisky and the big quarterback yep. controversy, right? And so between these two, you know, I I think for fantasy purposes, what you can expect on a season-long basis is that you can have these guys basically ranked somewhere in the middle-ish tier of your quarterbacks, and that's about the baseline for their production. Okay. And then they'll probably have some bigger games based on matchups from there, yep. right? And so, so anywhere between the 12 to the, you know, 18 range is where I think you're really looking at these Bears quarterbacks, whoever the starter is. And basically what it's going to come down to is, um, you know, what the season shapes like as far as entire offensive production. Now, I I think what they've done in Foles here, they've effectively given themselves a backup plan where if we're not getting good quarterback play, we have another guy we can go to. Whether it's Foles to start the year or Trubisky, I I think that answer is pretty simple. I think Mitch Trubisky is going to be starting the season absolutely hands down. I don't see a lot of reason to believe otherwise. It's absolutely his job to lose, right? He was the high draft capital investment. He's still on his first contract. And he, you know, he's got the most to prove. And you got to remember, this kid only had one year of playing in college. Yeah, he had 13 games, and so his first three years in the NFL, he's entering his fourth season now. You know, he's basically done with his college time of yeah. playing. You know what I'm saying? He, my point is that he's got a lot of development left to go, and that's what you see with him. You see a physically gifted, athletic guy who can absolutely get the job done at the elite levels with his athletic talent. But it's his mental game that he needs work on, right? He needs to develop. And so he's going to get that chance. Going into the season, they're looking at having the Lions, the Giants, Falcons, and Colts to start out the year. Now, that's two softballs right in the beginning for Trubisky, right? And so hopefully he can use that and get some momentum going. I think going against the Falcons is going to be a very telling game because that offense can absolutely put put up a ton of points, right? And so it's going to be the first time where he's going to feel pressured to keep up. Right, so let's see how he responds in that scenario. And then following that, you have a, a playoff caliber team with the Colts. So this is going to be kind of a playoff, you know, uh, type of uh, a, a game that's kind of a preview of what a playoff yeah. situation yeah, might look definitely. like. And so he's got to perform in that aspect too. I think once we get to Week Four, you're going to know what's going on with the Bears' quarterback situation. It's all going to depend on Week Three and Week Four if Mr. Bisky can keep up and yeah. can play his game. If he doesn't look good and he struggles and he struggles mentally. 
I think they're going to pull the plug. And yeah. They're yeah. going to go to Foles. But I don't think you're having much of a change on the fantasy football impact. Yeah, well, and here's a good point for fantasy players. When you hear talk of play the matchups, this is what we're talking about. Yeah. It's You've got that schedule coming up to start the season. Yeah, Trubisky's not going to be your QB1 in anyone's draft. But those matchups kind of look favorable. At least the first two, maybe three games, you might get some good production here. And that's when we say play the matchups, it's look for stuff like this yeah. hmm. and find those games where someone who maybe not isn't going to be the top of the season, they're going to have their games that week. And they might outperform your number one guys because of a favorable matchup. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. And when you look at Trubisky and you look at those late-round quarterbacks and trimming, athletically he's definitely a guy who's got top-10 talent. And so, especially with his, uh, from a fantasy perspective, with his running baseline, because he is a running quarterback, he's very good at put, tucking it down and getting some yards. He's good for, you know, a good four or 500 yards on the ground per season. Um, he can score a couple touchdowns on the ground. So he's got that upside. Mm-hmm. And so if he does keep the job, you could potentially have a quarterback that is actually going to get it done for you, for you on a week-to-week basis, or, or at least in matchup, matchup-based, right? And so it, we'll, we'll see what he gets, and we'll see what kind of a step forward he takes after his step back uh, last season. Uh, the one thing I want to point out about Trubisky is that when you're talking about uh, late-round quarterbacks and drafts, he's got, we were talking about his, his two softballs to start of the season. That's where I think that you really want to pay attention here because you look at guys like uh, Daniel Jones, who a lot of people are projecting to have a really good season, and you look at uh, Joe Burrow, who I think could have absolutely have a monster season with the weapons that he has. Mm-hmm. Those are two guys that have horrendous schedules to start. Daniel Jones is one of the worst schedules to start out the season this year. The Giants in general do. And so uh, with Joe Burrow, his week one matchup, you don't want to start him in week one. So if you're if you're looking at those guys like that, that's where I think that you might want to platoon him with like a, a Trubisky late for free yeah. that nobody's drafting because you can start you can probably start Trubisky against the Lions and the Giants and he'll probably get you a top ten yeah. performance to be honest with you yeah. even if he's not looking all that good. Um, moving on to the running back position, they didn't really do much here. I apologize about that. <laughs> um, well, let's let's talk uh, let's talk David Montgomery. Okay. Okay. Are we are we ready for a breakout? Yeah, I hope so. So, it, to me, what we saw last year had to have been Montgomery's floor. You saw a lot of games where he really wasn't getting even more than ten touches. You saw games where they just completely got away from the run, and you know Matt Nagy would come out and, and talk about, yeah, we need to run more, mm-hmm. almost as if he wasn't the one calling the plays. Yeah, you need to run more. You were the one calling it, you know. And so, um, I agree. You have to run more. And those, those are the problem is, is those RPOs. He counts those RPOs to, towards his uh, scripted game runs. And Trubisky was pulling a lot of those down, and then not doing anything with it last season. And yeah. so, I think we need, they need to get away from that aspect and really give Montgomery assured fifteen touches per game. Yeah. This is really supposed to be a running team and and I think Montgomery can get it done so with Montgomery what you need to know is he's being drafted in the uh, about the fifth or sixth round in drafts right now and I think what we saw last year was his baseline what his floor and if he is anything better than that he's going to return value so he's definitely a target for your fantasy football drafts uh, Tariq Cohen, I think, is another one that a lot of people are sleeping on. Uh, Can't I, really talk about the Bears without talking about Tariq Cohen. Yeah. <laughs> you know, the, the human joystick, man. He's yeah. just so funny. He makes me giggle every time he touches the ball, man. Like a little schoolgirl, I swear to God. He's fun to watch. <laughs> He's fun to watch. And, you know, uh, with Cohen, what you got to remember is in 2018, he finished as the RB13. Mm-hmm. It was a monster season for him. Yeah. You're getting him right now past round eight. So that's almost free. Yeah. So... It, 
what if you look at the stats and I did I did look at the stats right before we recorded I didn't write them down because we got to speed through this as fast as we can mm-hmm. we're trying to get you guys as much content as we can in a small window here and so uh, the thing that jumped out to me about Cohen's stats between 2018 and 2019 is that they were pretty gosh darn similar he had about 30 less rushing attempts but that was really the only significant difference other than the fact that it was production it was his efficiency every time he touched the ball his his, his per touch efficiency was crooked crashing down yeah and then and, and a lot of people were, were blaming Matt Nagy for not utilizing three Cohen right during the season last year well you see that reflected in the stats right yeah. and then touchdowns he had almost no touchdowns last year he had I think five on the ground and three in the air uh the season prior yeah, when he was yeah. at RB 13 and yeah. so that's that's the really the big difference here and so you know even maybe for a weekly spot start in a matchup based kind of situation it, it, when you're getting him that late in drafts three Cohen is it could potentially be a monster value there yeah uh, moving through to the wide receiver position, you have Anthony Miller and Allen Robinson are the two big names here. And Allen Robinson has been one of my favorite wide receivers in the league. He is just a contested catch monster. The thing that they would love, love to say about him last year is that even when he's covered, he's, he's open. Yeah. And you can always throw him the ball. And he was catching a lot of those 50-50 balls. And so um, I like I like Allen Robinson as a receiver, but the problem is for fantasy purposes, where he's being drafted right now, I'm a little bit worried about the production. He yeah. saw a ton. Of, he saw 150 targets and you know a ton of receptions last year because he was the only show in town. He yeah. was the only one producing. Right. If we see any kind of increase in the Bears' offensive production, which we anticipate on, mm-hmm. right? Because you you got to figure they can't get much worse. Right. <laughs> <laughs> um, I feel like Allen Robinson's ceiling has to, for what he did last year, has to come down just a little bit. And he's being drafted at his ceiling. And so I'm a little bit, I, I don't mind taking him in as my wide receiver one later in drafts. Um, right now, he's the wide receiver 15. Yeah. You know, that's that's it, near the top end of the band that I have him yeah. in. You know, okay. so it's, it's not too bad. But if, it, if I have to take him in, my, in the third round as my wide receiver one, I don't know if I'm comfortable with that. If I can snake him in the fourth, I'm all over that. Yeah. And so he's just kind of right on that cusp. That's what you need to know about him. Anthony Miller, you're getting late in drafts. I've gotten him past the eighth round in every every uh, mock draft I've done. Mm. And uh, he's someone who could absolutely take a step forward. He seems to have gotten his head on right. He seems to really be buckling down on his pre-game uh, routine instead of just kind of winging it based on his talent. Now. Yeah, yeah. That's, well, that's, he needs to yeah. step up. Yeah. yeah, and it's been public. It's, yeah. it's been put out in public. That's, that's where we're at with him. And... He's turning it around. You know, yeah. he had a kid recently, and, and, you know, sometimes that'll do it. Right. Yeah. You know, and so uh, past that, it's Jimmy Graham and Cole Komet. Tight ends, rookie tight ends, you don't ever expect much from. So, you know, Cole Komet, I wouldn't even draft in redraft leagues this year. Uh, Jimmy Graham, I don't think you're going to see much more production than you saw from him with the Packers last year. Maybe a few more red zone targets. Yeah. And so I'm not really looking at those guys. The key pieces I'm looking at are David Montgomery, Allen Robinson, and, and then Tariq Cohen and Anthony Miller late, you know, I'm, I'm kind of taking, you know, two of those guys are going earlier, two of those guys are going later. I'm not trying to take all four, and I'm not trying to take two of the running backs or two of the receivers. So it's just kind of a mix and match based on the – it's one of those situations that allows you to stay really fluid with your drafts mm-hmm. and really let your draft come to you. Yeah. And you have a, you have backup plans of, of players that you can take your shots on, you know, based on where players are going in your draft. So it's it, – these are really good guys to target if um, – other guys you were looking at are not on the board. Okay? Uh, and then past that, we've already mentioned their defense. They're just going to be monsters. Yeah. Uh, yeah. We don't really need to get too much Historically, into Historically, a, a strength of the team. Historically, a strength of the team. And then, you know, Eddie Jackson, Danny Javathan, Roquan Smith, Akeem Hicks. Um, 
you, <laughs> Khalil Mack, you bring in Robert Quinn, uh, you bring in Tashawn Gibson from Houston, who's actually, I think, going to be a baller back there in safety. I think he's going to be an upgrade over Ha Clinton Dix. Um, and, you know, Kyle Fuller on the outside, and yep. you bring in Jalen Johnson from the draft. Artie Burns and Trey Roberson are, are already kind of out of the running for starting week one, I think. Uh, I, uh, they both sustained injuries, and I think Artie Burns is done for the year on an ACL really? tear. Which, yeah, the former first-round pick, cornerback uh, from the Steelers that we picked up. You know, so it, it's, it's sad, but there we are. Yeah. What do we think, Eli? Looking forward to the Bears this year? Hopefully. Yeah. Hopefully. That's You know what? That's year after year. It's That's the answer is hopefully. Yeah. I mean, he's wearing a cup shirt, so you, you, you know where we're So you're, you're used yeah. to disappointment. Oh, yeah. I gotcha. Especially I gotcha. after this last This is just how man. we do in Chicago. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> you uh, win some, you lose some. All right. Moving down the, uh, the division, let's talk about the Lions. Mm. Stafford. Yeah. How far can he go? Yeah, so Stafford, that, and that is going to be the question with him is, is because he was on pace for over 5,000 yards last season, but he went down with his back injury. Yep. The problem is, is this is not the first time he's gone down with his back injury. His back injury, I think they even talked about it last season, is this is almost going to be a play through the pain kind of thing for him. So it's going to be a pain tolerance. How much can he withstand? Yeah. Yeah. I think what you're looking at for offense production is obviously going to fall on Matthew Stafford. Now, I, I was actually a little bit encouraged by David Blau last season and, and his production at the quarterback position. He looked good for, you know, the third guy in line and that was undrafted. I think he was undrafted or a late-round pick or something like mm. that. You know, one of those uh, Willie Beeman from any given yeah. Sunday kind of scenarios, except for not the running game. <laughs> but... <laughs> You know, but he looked good. He looked yeah. good throwing the ball. He definitely looked bad a, a lot of times, too, but he showed flashes. And so I don't think that this offense disappears if Matt Stafford goes down, and I kind of anticipate Matt Stafford going down with that. I just don't I don't know that I'm confident in his back holding up. And what a lot of people, a lot of the experts, are targeting Matt Stafford late in their drafts. Mm-hmm. They're going for the, the Drew Brees, Tom Brady, Aaron Rodgers, and Matt Stafford. Yeah. Because there's all, those are all guys that can throw for four or 5,000 yards. Yeah. And they're usually reliable. They're probably going to finish in the top ten by the end of the season. You can get them late in drafts every time. You don't have to. You don't have to pay up early to get. You know, you can get value at the other, show up yeah. other positions because the quarterbacks it's usually a one quarterback league, right? Yeah. Um, in most fantasy football formats, Matt Stafford. I just I have a hard time trusting him late in drafts. Um, I'm more looking at the Joe Burrows yeah. and you know maybe backing it up with. I uh, personally Joe Joe Burrow Mitch Trubisky is like one of my five late round quarterback plans. Okay, and so that that combination. It, it, right there is one yeah. of my late plans, and I would choose that over Matt Stafford because I just don't trust his back is going to hold up. I just, I just don't. Yeah, and especially a season like this where you don't know what's going to happen with the league with the health. Are they yeah. going to be taking chances on players who are injured, or are they going to just say, "Well, let's let's let them recover a bit more this this yeah. season"? You know, maybe he misses games as a result. Yeah, I mean he's their franchise man, and he the offense runs through him. Now they did draft DeAndre Swift. They brought him into. I don't know if supplant or back up Carryon Johnson or kind of push Carryon Johnson, but here's the thing: DeAndre Swift is graded out as the better running back, and Carryon Johnson was already spotted with a knee brace on yeah. his knee on the sidelines this season during the the, the practices. And so, um, DeAndre Swift is someone who's rising on my boards. And as much as I loved Carryon Johnson, I was a Carryon Johnson oh, yeah. truther. Yeah. I absolutely yeah. love the player. It just doesn't seem like it's going to work out with him in Detroit. I almost feel like as a fantasy football player, you can just go ahead and transition to DeAndre Swift mm-hmm. now. Feel pretty safe about that, and hopefully, hopefully, carry on gets a chance on another team and another ball club. Deal. I'm hoping so too. I liked him. Yeah, yeah, for sure. Um, yeah, absolutely. But you know, DeAndre Swift is—he. Some people had him as the most talented running back in this uh, draft class. 
Now, how do you right? feel about that? Well, I, you know, I, you know, I love my Jonathan yeah. Taylor, yeah. and so that's kind of that was kind of hard for me to say. And then J.K. Dobbins is just a monster too, yeah. and so that was they're all I have them all three. Just wow. I, I love this note you have down here for Swift. Runs like Lev Bell and Tariq Cohen had a baby. <laughs> <laughs> did I write? Oh, I did write that. <laughs> um, yeah, man. Uh, I watching him, which play, is a great like, combination. Yeah. yeah, you know, watching him play, watching his highlights. This guy had the joystick moves, but with the patient running that you don't really see from Tariq. Tariq usually just kind of hits his hole and does a quick juke stop and yeah. bounces around, spins, does all this weird joystick stuff. What I saw from John John J. Swift was in a real. RB1 workhorse running back yeah. kind of mentality. I saw him being very patient with his blockers. He he hits it and then he moves like a joystick and he gets into the open field and good god. This guy this guy's sick. And Tearing he's only up, he's yep. 59212 so we'll see if he can handle the workload, but um he's definitely got the talent. And with Ann Johnson presumably behind him, they can afford to give him a lot of that uh Usage yeah. and still have carry on to in case something were to, in case Andrew were to go down or something like that. So moving past that, you have uh, Kenny Galladay and Marvin Jones. Now I want to bring these two guys up together because Kenny Galladay right now is being highly drafted. A lot of people have him projected in their top ten. Marvin Jones is a guy that you can get in like the sixth, seventh, eighth round. Yeah. Now, I, like I, as I alluded to before, I'm a little bit worried about this offense with Matt Stafford's back. Yeah. And so. I'm a little bit nervous about taking Kenny Galladay at that high of a draft price because he has to hit to pay off at that value yeah. of where he's being drafted. Yeah. He, and not only hit, but he's actually got to improve from last season to be worthy of where he's being drafted in front of the guys that he's being drafted in front of. And so that worries me just a little bit. And so Marvin Jones, when you look at their production side by side, and I wish I had the time to give you guys the numbers right now, uh, tweet at me and I'll, I'll, <laughs> I'll give you whatever information you guys want. Um, you can reach me at, at, at the Anthony Lukasik on Twitter or at Shy Guys Football. I'll respond to both. Yeah. And so when you look at these two side by side, their production sets are darn near similar yeah. at the end of the, their end of the year yeah. totals. And Marvin Jones is more of a boom bust, whereas Kenny Galladay is more like the, the static, right? But, um, you know, for a late round guy, that's almost where I want to spend my value just because I'd, I'd rather take, if I'm going to take a piece of that offense and that production. I'd rather take the later round value and take somebody else early that definitely. has more assured production. Right? Yeah, I'm definitely marking down some notes for myself when it comes to draft time because I had Galladay in a league last year and I liked him and I put some dependence on him. Yeah. And now I'm going to have to be reevaluating that a little bit, knowing <laughs> everything that's going into this season. Uh, and I'm glad to hear your analysis of this because now I'm, I'm getting some ideas like, all right, well. Gears are turning. Yeah, let's yep. take a look. Let's see what we can do. Yeah, I mean, don't get me wrong. Don't hear what I'm not saying. I'm, yeah. uh, Kenny Galladay is a great wide receiver. Oh, yeah. I'm, I'm just a little bit worried about him returning value at his current draft cost uh, yeah. just because of quarterback health and just the uh, the defenses in that division, too, are super tough. You know, the Vikings might have taken a little bit of a step back. Yeah. But um, <clears throat> I, I may end up still taking the chance on Galladay and seeing how Stafford plays out. We'll see, but I still may take the chance. I'm going to let him fall to me kind of guy yeah. when, it, when it comes to Galladay. Yeah, so and, and, and a lot of people love Galladay, and so I think you're yeah. going to have to reach if you want to get him. Yeah. And that's just not something I'm really willing to do with drafts. I, I like to let all, all of my players <laughs> fall to me. Yeah. Man. I look that's for the value. That's how I do it. Yeah. Um, so the Packers. The Packers finished first at a 13-3 and record last year. Now, this was not a team that looked like they were 13-3 and to me. They won. I want to say they won nine of their one-score games, yeah. which is just outlandish, especially <laughs> for a first-year coach, right? Um, I see a lot of discord on this team. I see a lot of uh, 
questionable decisions uh, from the head coach and the general manager. I see a lot of things. I see this team going south very, very quickly, and yeah. the wheels might just fall off here. I'm I'm projecting a second year dump. For Matt LaFleur. And, and this is not coming from us just because we are shy guys. Yeah. <laughs> we are not above we are not above having good Packers players on our teams. Don't don't get me wrong. <laughs> I I you know I hate the Packers fundamentally, but game respect game, right? And Aaron Rodgers is Aaron, a monster. Yeah, Aaron Rodgers you is know, one of my favorite players. You know, Brett Favre, Another I love Brett Favre too. To watch. You know? yeah. uh, Clay Matthews well, he was a face of that team. Clay he Matthews, was fun to watch, yeah. you know. Um no, I just I, I see this team, I see markers of poor decisions that you see in franchises right before they tank it, right? And so I, I we'll bring up the obvious ones, right? You have one wide receiver, you lost Geronimo Allison, you gave up on that project. Um, you bring you only bring in Devin Funchess to come or to be on the opposing side from Devontae Adams. Mm-hmm. And then you spend your first two picks on your quarterback of the future while you still have your Aaron Rodgers and win now mentality as your first pick. And then your second pick is drafting a Basically, a Derrick Henry light with AJ Dillon, yeah, and who's basically going to come in to be the villain for all AJ the Aaron Dillon. Jones <laughs> truthers. You know what I mean? This guy's going to get the goal line carries. He's he's yeah. A, yeah. almost basically a fullback. Yeah, and so I'm curious how they're going to use him. I, I'd like to see if they actually transition to using maybe some football, maybe like use him kind of like a Kyle Juszczyk type of he's thing. The kind, he's the kind of guy that you can utilize. You know, you can. We'll see. I don't know. That that's not really how he was used in college, but you would figure with his physical yeah. skill set that he could probably yeah. do it, right? And it would be interesting to see Aaron Jones and AJ Dillon on the field at the same time. And I'm not saying that's out of the realm of possibility, but you got to figure they're bringing him in to be the goal line back. Aaron Jones caught a lot of touchdown passes last year too, mm. and so I think. His his red zone um, production last season for Aaron Jones was just phenomenal. It was otherworldly, and you usually see those things kind of regress back down to earth anyway. Yeah. And so with the addition of A.J. Dillon, I'm just kind of worried about Aaron Jones. He finished, I want to say, as an RB2 last season. Mm. Like, he should be being drafted yeah. early in the first round, right? Yeah. But you're seeing him go in the kind of in the beginning to middle portion of the second round right now because nobody knows if they can trust him. And that's about kind of where I have him too. Everybody kind of seems to be on the same page with yeah. Aaron Jones. And it's kind of unfortunate because you've been waiting with him against Jamal Williams for so long. And, well, here we are. Yeah. Um, really the only thing you got to know about this team is you can trust Devontae Adams. Bank on Ellen Lazard late in dress. Ellen Lazard is going to be your late draft hero mm-hmm. uh, for the wide receiver position. I am all over him. I, he will probably be on every team I draft. Yeah. Um, I am I am really looking forward to getting me some late shares of Alan Lazard. Yeah. Um, I want to step through this a little bit uh, quickly. We're going to go right into the Vikings here. And they finished at, in second in the division last year at 10-6. and six. I don't see them taking a step forward this year. Uh, based on their offseason moves, their production, where, they, where it came from last year, the type of football that they want to play, I think they actually got worse. And so uh, I, I have them projected at third, uh, at a third finish in this league, and I think it's going to be more of what you can traditionally expect from the Vikings. What we saw last year is, I think, a lot of what production-wise for fantasy of what we're going to be getting this year. Can Adam Thielen stay healthy? I think is going to be the major question. Mm-hmm. How they use Justin Jefferson is going to be a major question, and how productive he can be if he's played on the outside. Because yeah. Justin Jefferson, their first-round pick uh, during the draft this year, he's projected to t- kind of take the take this uh, step into the Stefan Diggs type of uh, production, at yeah. least, right? He's the replacement for Stefan Diggs, who they traded away to the Buffalo Bills. We covered that in, I yeah. think, in part one. And so um, when it comes to this, Justin Jefferson absolutely can play on the outside. 
but he was otherworldly in the slot at LSU. And so how do they use him? What kind of production do they try to get from him? Now, you've heard all the talk that this is they want to be a running-based team. Adam Zimmer, or Coach Zimmer wants to be uh, a running-based team. And so, you know, they bring in uh, Gary Kubiak, I think, takes over for the offense from Stefanski, who went over to coach the Browns. Yeah. And so that's their whole team. They want to run through Dalvin Cook. They want to be a hard defensive team, except they've lost a lot of defensive talent this year. And so uh, with the with the losses of, you know, uh, Xavier Rhodes and Trey Waynes, you can argue whether or not those were good or bad losses. Mm-hmm. Their, 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 their play last year was not great. But you did lose Andrew Sindehu, who I was a big yeah. fan of. And then, um, you know, I want to say you lost Ever- – they, they, I think Everson Griffin is still on the free agent market. I think they were looking at him in Dallas, if I'm not mistaken. I could I could be making that up. I could be on the wrong guy, thinking <laughs> about the wrong guy. But in any case, you're losing a lot of huge defensive names here that have been the staple for this team. And, um, you know, Dalvin Cook was threatening to hold out, which was a little scary. He's back now. Mm-hmm. Really, where I, where I'm looking to bank this year is if Dalvin Cook. His whole thing is can he stay healthy? I was expecting him to get hurt last year. Mm-hmm. It didn't really happen until late in the season, which kind of you know made made me pay for that. Yeah. But Dalvin Cook was never a guy who's really stayed healthy consistently for a full. I don't think he can do it for a full sixteen. Yeah. In fact, I'm willing to bank on that. And so uh, Alexander Madison is a guy who what. Whether you're looking at COVID or just handcuffing in, in general, this is a good spot to talk about uh, running late round running back handcuff in COVID. Mm-hmm. And so what you're looking at is guys can be ruled out 90 minutes before the game. Yeah. Okay. And so uh, you you could find out you when you're looking you're checking your fantasy football rosters on Sunday morning. Make sure that you're paying attention and you're paying attention to who's in who's out. Now there's about five top tier handcuffs in the NFL going into the season, okay? It's going to be Kareem Hunt, I have at number one, Latavius Murray, Alexander Madison and Tony Pollard, kind of interchangeable, and then Chase Edmonds, Mm. okay? Those are the five guys that I think you want to target. Now, you don't necessarily need to only take them if you have Dalvin Cook, Kenyon Drake, or Nick Chubb, or something along those lines. Uh, Kareem Hunt and I think Latavius Murray will have independent value, so those guys are going to go earlier. You're probably going to have to take them somewhere between the six to eight round range. Yeah. Uh, Latavius, you, I've seen fall as far as the 10th. Uh, Kareem's definitely going as early as people can possibly fit him onto their roster. Um, Alexander Madison, Tony Pollard, and Chase Edmonds, those are going to be your late-round guys that um, you're looking at like rounds 8+. Plus. Yeah. And you, if, if anything happens to Dal- Dalvin Cook, uh, Kenyon Drake, or um, Zeke, right? Mm-hmm. These guys are going to walk into a true three down running back role, and they're gonna they're gonna be league winners for you. Yeah. Okay, these are league winner shots, and they're, they're they're late shots that you can take. And so that's where I have Alexander Madison. That's really the big piece that I have. I don't think I trust Adam Thielen go is my number one wide receiver this year. And I like to do the two RB. I like to start out two RBs, mm-hmm. and then usually take a wide receiver with my third or fourth round. Yeah, I like to look for the guys that I think are going to bring production forward. So I'll be targeting DJ Moore, DJ Chark. Uh, guys like that in like the the fourth round or so probably yeah. as my wide receiver one rather than taking the shot at Adam Thielen in the third round as my wide receiver one because if he gets hurt like last year he I had him last year in the third round and it and, I paid for it yeah. I went against <laughs> yeah. my better judgment did something I usually didn't do and well <laughs> well now you know yeah and, and now I know. so how do you feel about Cousins this year Kirk Cousins you know is going to be you know the um, He's always going to be roughly a 4,000-yard passer. Now, yeah, he might oh yeah, not quite get that bunch. Yards, yeah, so. he's always putting up yardage. Now, his touchdown totals are usually low, and he might not even get that yardage total this season. I think he's going to be one of those mid-teen 
quarterbacks that you can throw in in a pinch. Yeah, okay. for sure. I, I remember having him a few times uh, past few years in different leagues and been happy. Last year, I didn't jump for him, mm-hmm. and I wasn't disappointed. Yeah, I was okay not having him around. Yeah, he's good. I like him, but eh. yeah, I've always it's used honest. him. I've always used him as like a spot start kind yeah. of guy for sure. Worked out well. Um, All right, moving on to NFC East. Dumb boys. Them boys. Yeah, these Cowboys, and, man. And Dak. I, I love to hate Dak. the Cowboys, just like everybody <laughs> does, right? Right, um, exactly. And Perry, this is all for you, buddy. <laughs> um, when you look at the Cowboys, this team is going to be a monster this year. I am all over this Cowboys offense. Now, when you look at last year, they finished second in the division with an 8-8 record. And to be honest with you, they, you know, that division was kind of up for grabs. And it was their division to lose, and they lost it. Yeah. They lost yeah. it to the Eagles, right? And so, but what you did see is them have one of the most, they had basically the most productive offense in the, in the, in the, in the league. They, had, they were first in yardage, right? Yeah. And they, they blew away pretty much everyone else. Now, as far as touchdowns and things like that, what the Baltimore Ravens did, I think, was just freakishly <laughs> outlandish, right? But, you know, as far as what we saw, we saw the, the most productive offense last season under Dak, Zeke, Amari Cooper, Michael Gallup, and then you know, some combination of Randall Cobb, Jason Witten, and Blake Jarwin, mm-hmm. right? Well, you, lo- you lose Randall Cobb and you lose Jason Witten. But Blake Jarwin steps up into the Jason Witten role, and he's projected to be able to handle the whole load. He's ready to yeah. go. Now, remember when I said you don't really look at the first couple of years for tight ends? Mm-hmm. They usually break around around three or four. Well, guess where we're at with Blake Jarwin? <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> right there. And so he's ready to go. He's ready to pop. So this is going to be one of the next guys up. You're looking When you're looking at the Blake Jarwin class, you're looking at him, Chris Hernan, Ian Thomas, Jonu Smith. You could say Hayden Hurst here, but I honestly I have Hayden Hurst up with Darren Waller and Mark Andrews. That's where I'm com- I'm comfortable okay. drafting Hayden Hurst as early as the eighth round. Yeah, you know what I'm saying, and I'm 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 really targeting Hayden Hurst yeah, this year. But if I can't get Hurst, I'm okay with any of these four guys. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Uh, Hernan, Jarwin, uh, Janu, and uh, who did I who did I miss? I missed somebody. <laughs> Well, we're going to tape about 15 seconds. Yeah, right. got it. And so, uh, I'm sorry, we're going to try to crunch all 16 NFC teams into one yeah. episode for you guys. Now, we still got a few more minutes before we make the determination if we're going to keep going or if we're going to cut this short. Uh, this may end up turning into an hour and a half long episode, but it gives you all the yeah. NFC content all together. Look down at, at the timeline, you'll know. Yeah, yeah you'll know. <laughs> and so, um, when it comes to this team, you're, you're adding in CeeDee Lamb and you got Blake Jarwin stepping up. Between... Uh, between Cobb and Witten, what you had was about 160 vacated targets. And so if you figure about 80 targets per for Jarwin and C.D. Lamb, that's going to be monster production for both these guys. Yeah. Right? That'll And then if Amari Cooper goes down at all, which he almost always gets injured, whether or not he plays through it is kind of up to him. But, you know... Michael Gallup is someone I'm definitely looking and taking the bet on this year. I really don't like the NOS guys, like Amari Cooper, Mike mm-hmm. Evans, the guys that are going to win you your weeks but just disappear altogether. Yeah. I, to me, I like more like the stable engines, like the, yeah. the Michael Gallup who are going to be consistently yeah. high-end productive, right? I think C.D. Lamb could even be a late-round shot. Zeke, I I have Zeke as my number two running back this year over Saquon. No, why is that? I, I like Zeke. Um, yeah, a lot of people are a little bit down on Zeke. Yeah. And, you know, don't get me wrong. I think Saquon Barkley is the more talented running back, but... Uh, Zeke, I I think that he's going to have a more productive season this year. One because of just kind of the offenses as a whole. You want mm-hmm. when you look at running back production, you want to look at uh, total touchdown production. Yeah. Right. And how much they're going to efficiently move the ball and things like that. Now the Giants have a lot of weapons, and we'll get to them here in a moment. But um, they don't have the kind of team that the, the Cowboys have. And they don't yeah. have the 
They're they're talented in their own right, but they're they're not what the Cowboys have. Yeah. Okay, and when you when you look at Zeke and, and the Cowboys, they also have a, a little bit of an easier schedule. I really do not like the Giants. I can't emphasize how much I don't like the Giants' schedule this yeah. year. Okay, and so I, just because of those two reasons, I have Zeke one spot ahead of Saquon. Mm-hmm. Okay, understandable. But uh, and then the, there's another there's another portion with this too, as well as the COVID thing. With Zeke yeah. has already had COVID, mm-hmm. so we now we're not doctors, and I don't know anything about that. But sure. to me, that that tells me that. Isn't he a lower risk to yeah. miss any games because of COVID this season? Hope so. You would hope, yeah. And with when you're looking at that first round pick guy, you want that assurance that he's going to be that staple for your. You're building your team around your first round yeah. pick. He's got. He's got to be productive. Yeah. Exactly. If if your first two picks go down and you lose out on them or they bust, then you have to hope for a late round guy becoming like an Austin Eckler type of season yeah. last season where he where he was drafted in like round five. Right? Yeah, yeah. Okay. Uh, moving right into the Eagles here, we have uh, Carson Wentz is going to do Carson Wentz things now. <laughs> I was a big believer of his MVP season right when he got hurt, and I thought that that's what we could expect from him. Now, to me, when he came back from that injury, it looked to me like he was playing a little bit of afraid, and it looked like he needed a little bit of time to kind of reacclimate and get comfortable on the field yeah. again. Okay. We saw a little bit of a progress towards that last season, but what we also saw was he he lost his wide receiver core completely. Yeah, yeah. you know, and so and that's kind of the thing with Zach Hurts here, and why a lot of people are really skeptical between Darren Waller, Zach Hurts, and Mark Andrews. A lot of people are putting Zach Hurts at the tail end of that because of you know he he's getting older, and can we rely on that kind of volume? You know what yeah. I mean? And so. The problem is, is Alshon Jeffrey's probably going to start on the pup. Marquise Goodwin, who they brought in to be a speedster, is now uh, COVID opted out. Mm-hmm. And so you have Jalen Rager, who you drafted, and Deshaun Jackson, who is pretty much the team's number one receiver. Can Deshaun Jackson stay healthy for even half the season? He's aging. He's he's a little bit frail. He's always been a little bit injury prone. You know, it's mm-hmm. just the type of football he plays. Yeah. He just yeah. burns past everybody, and he puts his body on the line. You yeah. know what yeah, I mean? Yeah. And so Jalen Rager is actually going ahead of Deshaun Jackson right now in uh, football drafts, which I found a little curious. Deshaun Jackson, it's you can never predict injury, and if he right. plays all sixteen, he's going to make you look like a fool. Yeah, you saw what he about. he busted out in the first game last season. Came up with what over twenty over over thirty point game. Yeah. I'll say. I, I think a lot of a lot of fantasy players want to love Deshaun Jackson. Just can you count on him? <laughs> but but yeah, he's already getting, you're getting him for free though. I yeah. mean, you you don't have to draft him in the eighth round, or you're not getting him. You yeah. can draft him. In the ninth, I, I think it's some of the people that that when the decline kind of started happening and they got burned are the ones that are staying away. Now it's yeah, like you said, if he's there. If he falls to you, take him. There you go, yeah. For sure. Absolutely. And uh, I completely agree with the sentiment, and to be honest with you, I've been getting him in just about every mock draft. So <laughs> that's just about the way it's been working out. But Jalen Rager is a guy that, man, I'm calling my shot on Jalen Rager. He's one of my favorite wide receivers from this draft class, which was supposed to be one of the best wide receiver draft yeah. classes in recent history, at least in the last 10 years, if not the best ever. Yeah. We'll see. We'll see. You know, time will tell. There was like 20 wide receivers that could go in the first two rounds. You know yeah. what I mean? And so Jalen Rager is one of my favorites among that group. I like CD. I like Rager. Uh, Judy's hyper-talented, but I'm not specifically excited about Jerry Judy. He's going to be like another Calvin Ridley to me, which, don't get me wrong, I just traded for Calvin Ridley. Yeah. But I, I, for some reason, C.D. Lamb and Jalen Rigger are the two guys that I'm super excited about. I really do like Justin Jefferson as well. Yeah. Um, and then the biggest part to talk about with the Eagles is going to be Miles Sanders, because this this yeah. is this is what you guys are, are wondering about, right? 
Miles Sanders is a lot by a lot of people projected to be. Is, is he going to break into the top ten this year? Do I take him in the first round or you know at the beginning of the second round? Mm-hmm. Is he going to really get the workload because he looked like it last year and then they, they, they let go of Jordan Howard, right? Yeah. And so all you have behind Miles Sanders now is Boston Scott. Do Staley, the running backs coach, has come out saying Miles Sanders is, is we want him to to be we think he could be a twenty to twenty five touch a game guy. Do That's you, even more than the that? workhorse. I don't know if his body can hold up to that. Yeah. I don't know. That's a lot of work. Yeah, that's a, it's a big workload. Yeah, and, yeah. he, and, and he's not a huge guy in and of himself. And so I think he's talented enough, you know, but like Ryan Matthews is a reason why. You know, I think Ryan Matthews was right around the same talent level as Miles Sanders. Now, maybe Miles Sanders is slightly better, but, you know, Ryan Matthews is a guy whose career didn't reach its pinnacle because he could, just couldn't stay healthy. Yeah. You know, here's the scary part, guys. Miles Sanders is currently being projected to be available for week one with a lower leg injury. We haven't even hit the season yet. And there's no, you know, Boston Scott's behind him who's a capable backup. Yeah. And he's, he's, he's going to get some third down work and all that stuff. Mm-hmm. So Boston Scott's a good a good guy to take a look at, especially in your deeper, like, dynasty leagues or if you guys are COVID, expanding your league formats yeah. to include more roster players. Yeah. Yeah. Boston Scott's definitely a guy you're going to want either way. But can you? the question is, can you trust Miles Sanders early? And it's scary. I'll tell you what. I'll tell you where I'm at with Miles Sanders. Please. So I had a trade. I was trying to get Patrick Mahomes off yeah. this off the, off this girl in our league, uh, Dana in our league, right? And uh, that just wasn't going to happen. So <laughs> <laughs> I was offering Christian a McCaffrey. So yeah, yeah a, a for effort. But um, we ended up looking at another trade that was Miles Sanders and OJ Howard for me okay. for David Montgomery, Jonu Smith, and then just a bunch of pick swapping, basically. I was trying to get Jonathan Taylor yeah. because I'm projected in our dynasty draft to be at uh, I'm at pick eight in our dynasty draft, okay. and I wanted Jonathan Taylor, right? And she has I think like the third or fourth pick, mm-hmm. and so I was trying to get Jonathan Taylor, and so it was some I think first round pick swapping. I was getting a second round pick offer, and then we were doing some third round pick swapping, and I was just trying to move up to get the guys that I really wanted to target. And I was okay with going from Miles Sanders to David Montgomery because yeah. it was also showing up my tight end position, and I was getting auxiliary players that I really wanted to fill out my yeah. roster. Okay. Not I'm not even sure if I want that trade. <laughs> <laughs> I haven't brought it. We left it like as an open thing. We're yeah. going to think about it. And I haven't even brought it back up because I don't even know if I want it. Right. I don't even know if I would agree to it today. You know so it's I mean? still on the table, because, but you're not. Because Miles Sanders is that good, but he's also that scary. And so yeah. like, do I want to let go of him and, and go with the assured production from David Montgomery? Yeah. You know, Do I want to shore up some other stuff and just cut the risk from Miles Sanders off my team or not? That's kind of where I'm at with him. Mm-hmm. And so when it comes to drafting, what I would advise is let him fall to you in the second round. If you're in the middle to the second, second half of the second round, see who, what other running backs are available, who you like more and things like that. But Definitely. don't. I wouldn't advise reaching for Miles Sanders this year. Yeah, but he he definitely has he, he has a lot of potential to yeah, become the next Christian potential. McCaffrey. Oh yeah, oh, yeah, yeah. He, he's got Christian McCaffrey upside. Definitely. And so it, you know, don't sleep on him too much. Um, we're gonna move right into the Giants at this point, if you don't mind, Don. Absolutely. I know I'm kind of taking your job. No, no, it's fine. <laughs> I'm looking at the clock I'm and I'm trying gonna, to I'm speed us through right here. At this point. Uh, <laughs> Giants, Giants. I, I love this. Four and twelve is only third in the division. Yeah, yeah. That so. says a lot. That says a lot about the NFC East. And so you know, you look at Daniel Jones last season as a rookie, and he was a high, high, high capital pick. And a lot of people were curious about Dave Gettleman, the GM, yeah. picking him at what was that sixth overall. Now, um, what I'm going to say is he looks good, but he's got a lot of things to work on. Fumbling issues were obviously one of the yeah. big reasons yeah. why he was struggling so bad, right? Uh, 
he showed that he has the ability to put up big play games. So he showed a lot of flashes, which I, I think is what got a lot of people excited about him going into the season, right? I'm still cautioning. Look, this is a second-year guy. We saw, you know, even in Nagy's offense, Trubisky had a good season one, right, but then regressed in season two yeah. type of thing. Yeah. I think you might see a little bit of regression from the um, from Daniel Jones on a, on a consistency basis. I, I think you're going to have a stabilizing out period with him. Okay. Okay? And I think I don't mind calling the shot on Daniel Jones that he can be a great fantasy production quarterback, but not this year. I'm, I'm worried about the schedule. I'm worried about mm-hmm. the team gelling. Um, I'm worried about Golden Tate's. Sterling Shepard staying healthy. I'm worried about Evan Ingram staying healthy. And, you know, you got Saquon behind you. You don't need to lean on Daniel Jones. You have Saquon Barkley. Yeah. Yeah. This is going to be one of the best running backs that's ever played the game. Okay? Um, He he might rival my boy, you know? And, you know, I just realized we didn't put up our jerseys or anything for this show. But, hey, we got got Woodson up. Charles is all you need. If you haven't noticed, we're in a new studio setup. We're still getting acclimated. We're still getting it set up. Like I said, we're we're rushing to bring you guys this content. But it's um, we're we're giving it to you as, as much as we can, as fast as we can. Yeah. And you know, um, this has been a challenge, but we're 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 dedicated to being relied reliable for you. Now we might sacrifice in some other areas, but um, we're 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 here for yeah. you guys, and we pro- we promise you high quality. Then again, you may be watching this and wondering why the jerseys are there, and that's because we post production edited them in. So, <laughs> <laughs> so if you're wondering why they're there, Don is really good with his graphics. Um, so with these Giants, what they did was they drafted the most pro-ready tackle here uh, with uh, Andrew Thomas from Georgia. Um, they really want to shore up that line for Daniel Jones, right? They want to keep Saquon upright and, mm-hmm. and, and get and get him some good blocking, and and so you have a lot of talent here. You have a lot of weapons here. I'm just. I don't see them gelling on a consistent basis week in, week out. I think if you want to look at Giants players, you need to look at matchup-based. And in fact, my biggest recommendation is don't take a Giants player in your drafts. (laughs) No, hold hold, hold up, hold up, hold up. I'm not done yet. Wait till week three or four and then trade the guy who took them ahead of you in in that round and trade for them once their schedule starts to ease up a little bit and they start to get a little bit frustrated with Daniel Jones and Saquon's production a little bit. You know what I'm saying? You might even could start out the season with, like, say, Zeke through the first five... Five six weeks, mm-hmm. and then transition trade and try him, to trade yeah. him, trade him straight up for Saquon once the, once the schedules match yeah. up a little bit better, and the other guy might not even notice, and you might you know just be able to ride out the best the best possible outcome either way. See, stuff like that again. is what you need to it's look at. It's about the matchups. Yeah, yep. Absolutely. Um, any questions about the Giants? No. No, we uh, good. Did, do you see, There's not they, a lot to talk about here. I mean, it's it's really is can these guys stay healthy? And you're not going to get a lot of high end production out of anybody other than Saquon here. Maybe Evan Ingram, but we'll see because there are other yeah. miles to feed. Do you see the potential in it? Do you see that? Yeah. No. This offense, absolutely. Everybody has an upside, yeah, right? Yeah. Definitely. I'm giving you what I'm giving you guys is not any team's upside. More than half these guys have the ability to be the top in the top ten of the league, yeah. right? And so what I'm doing is I'm giving you what I see as the most likely outcome for what we can expect for the duration of the season. Absolutely. And so what you can plan around for your fantasy football season and yeah. what players you can rely upon. The, the, I mean, the Giants should be a perfect example of how a great fantasy player does not win real NFL games for their entire team. They'll win you a game. They'll win you a season in fantasy. But well, that doesn't translate necessarily. Because you're looking at the names on the Giants. You've got names that get talked about week yeah. over week during the fantasy season for their production, for what they've done in a particular game, what they've done for people's fantasy teams. Yeah. And the team ends up 4-12. and 12. Yeah, Darius Slayton is a guy that, um, he's a boom-bust kind of guy. So 
for this kind of offense, to allude to what you were saying, you can absolutely get your spot starts out of Daniel Jones. And I think if you want to take your home run hits with that NOS button that I was talking about, mm-hmm. where you have like your main engine guys or your mainstays, yeah. and then you have your and turbo buttons and build the weak yep. winners, yeah. right? I think you can treat Darius Slayton as one of those late-round NOS guys, absolutely, mm-hmm. for sure. And maybe that's where I'm looking at for this team to, to contribute towards my fantasy football team. Definitely. Okay. One more team left to talk about the NFC East. Dun, dun, dun. And, and and it's just going to be the other team in, in, in the division. We don't know what they're called, and we won't say it. So formally, the so the formal answer right now is the Washington Football Club, I think is what they're being yeah. called right now. I call them the team who should not be named. Yep. And I'm going to keep with the Baltimore-esque thing until they actually get a real name. <laughs> so that's what we're doing here. Um, now, the thing the okay. I'm going to give a quick rundown about the, the Redskins because there's not a lot that you need to know here for fantasy implication purposes except for just a couple of things. So I'm going to give you a brief overview and then I'm going to focus in on what we really need to talk about. Okay. Dwayne Haskins is terrible. <laughs> <laughs> right off the bat. Right off the bat. I didn't like him coming out of Ohio State. I didn't like him coming out of Ohio State transitioning to the NFL. Now, does he develop and become like a Byron Leftwich type? Maybe. You know, may, he this this kid could become something, but so you see the potential. I it. see yeah. the potential, yeah. but I think that this team really wanted to lean on Alex Smith. Yeah. But with that injury that he took, and then the whole getting infected thing, and mm-hmm. the just Alex Smith's leg was just handled uh, terrible. I don't I don't know what happened with the doctor staff, but it was it was terrible for him, and he went through a lot. Yeah. And he's actually trying to get back, and so they're they're talking about Alex Smith having a potential for uh, coming back, and he might even come back for week one. I think that if he's back and he truly is really healthy. I think that he might be able to push Dwayne Haskins to start week one. That would be my opinion of the best case scenario for this football team right now. Yeah. At this minute. Dwayne Haskins, if you believe in him, that's fine. I don't have a problem with that. But I don't think he's ready to play right now. Yeah. He's got a lot of learning and a lot of refining to do. Okay? And they still need to get more solidified veteran talent around him. Mm-hmm. Because right now you have Terry McLaurin, second year wide receiver. Now this guy. Terry. Scary Terry is who you want to talk about, man. This cat is good. Yeah. And he's being re- drafted in the wide receiver 20s. Yeah. Okay. It's kind of both a blessing and a curse. Okay. It's kind of a little bit of a value pick because this guy can bust into the top 10. He's got that potential. Mm. He can also maybe not be able to do anything because he doesn't have a freaking quarterback. Okay. So I kind of like him where he's being drafted. <laughs> I wouldn't advise reaching for McLaurin, but yeah. right about where he's being drafted, you know, he's a, he's, a, he's a good guy to look at. Yeah. Um, Behind him, you have who? And that's really the question. And so you you have Sims, who looked really good in the slot last mm-hmm. year, right? He stepped up and had a lot of production. He was an undrafted guy, kind of a dark horse candidate. Yeah. Um, they're not really talking about him right now. They're, uh, I mean, Gandy Golden, the guy that they drafted, is a guy that's getting a lot of buzz. But Now, how do you feel about Golden? You know, I like Gandy Golden, but to be honest with you, when it comes to fantasy football... There's few in very specific situations where I am willing to trust a rookie. Okay. Okay. And that's just kind of the way that I treat fantasy football, particularly in a redraft league. Yeah. Okay. If I'm in dynasty and I got to wait and hold, if there's a guy I really believe in, I might take, yeah, my, yeah, I, I might take yeah. my reach, right? And I might just stash him for a couple of years. But when we're talking redraft, it's, it's, it's very hard for me to trust a rookie, right? Just because at receiver position... You know, you might get half a year's worth of actual production yeah. from them. Yeah. What, what, what a real full season should look like for that player. Running backs are really the only ones that you could really trust because they tend to pop right away. Yeah. But tight ends, quarterbacks, and wide receivers, 
for fantasy football production, they usually don't hit until about mid-season. Yeah, so, so you're you only really getting half Exactly. You have to really like a guy, and he's got to really be in a great situation. Jalen Rager might be... Jalen Rager and Justin Jefferson are really the two rookie wide receivers mm-hmm. that I'm looking at in those situations. Now, you can talk about uh, Ayukin if you weren't over in San Francisco uh, because of the injuries to Debo Samuel and Jalen Hurd. Yeah. You know, he might be in that conversation as well. But outside of that, you know, rookies tend to have to play their way to the field, and they have to play for... They have to develop trust for more playing time and so for that reason i'm a little bit more in on on sims right now than gandy golden okay um the other part to mention is thaddeus moss look out for him not this year okay but keep keep him in the back of your mind because if he pops at any point during the season and he has a monster week at tight end go grab him go grab thaddeus moss immediately okay um the big part to mention about the Washington team, and really the only part that we have to get to, is the running back position because this is just a clouded mess. Yeah. Now, they've lost Darius Geis, which clarifies things a little bit. Now, what we were expecting was a 1A, 1B with Darius Geis and Adrian Peterson, and what could you expect from Geis, and how much mm-hmm. should you pay for him? People were willing to draft him in the first five rounds. That was really the issue. Um, he's now gone. He's, yeah. he's had off-the-fields issues. He's now gone. And so what we have is Adrian Peterson looking, projecting to be the 1A. They, they brought in Peyton Barber. They have Bryce Love, who they drafted uh, the year prior. Mm-hmm. They have Antonio Gibson, who they drafted this year, who's the among the fantasy football industry and analyst experts. Every, everyone is the, the buzz around Antonio Gibson is, I'm scared of how high you have to draft this dude now, man. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? And he's, don't get me wrong, a phenomenal player. But again, that whole rookie thing now... He's kind of a running back, but he's a wild card. And Antonio Gibson is a wild card in the fact that he only had, like I think, like 80 touches in his college yeah. career at Memphis. So it's not it, somebody you're trying to grab. It is. It is? And, and, this, okay. and this is where it's getting convoluted, and this is why I want to spend a little bit of time talking about this, this uh, backfield. Because when you look at uh, who Antonio Gibson is, he's... Uh, He's not a guy who had a lot of college opportunity because he had to go the JUCO route. He yeah. struggled in school with grades, okay? Which concerns me because I'm wondering how much can he, how quickly can he pick up the NFL mm-hmm. offense and right. things like that. Was it a he didn't care about his schoolwork or did he, does he just have a hard time learning? Yeah. You know what I'm saying? And so that to me is a slight red flag, yeah. right? But other than that, this kid is electric on the field every time. He's like electric to the level of Devin Hester electric. Okay, this kid is ridiculous. Yeah. High praise. Yeah. No, yeah, this kid is ridiculous. Uh, he's also six foot, two hundred and twenty pounds. Ron Rivera has already compared him to Christian McCaffrey. Okay, again, more high praise yeah. from his new head coach who drafted him. Now, Bryce Love is the other guy who I think it's going to be, you know, pick your 50, 50, 90 here. Because it's either going to be Bryce Love or Antonio Gibson getting the shot to compliment Adrian Peterson, and whichever one does, I project them to absolutely have better production than Adrian Peterson, be more efficient than Adrian Peterson, and really getting towards the middle of the season, start taking over more production role than Adrian Peterson. So you might actually get a fantasy-relevant running back from one of these guys. Okay, Now, I like Bryce Love a lot because coming out of Stanford, he was, I think, runner-up for the Heisman in his uh, junior year. Mm-hmm. He, you know, he played through injuries his senior year with an ankle injury, and then he tore his ACL at the end of la- at the end of his senior season. So he had to sit all, all of last year. So for all intents and purposes, he's kind of like the red-shirted rookie yeah. freshman, you know what I mean? And Gibson is like the true freshman in this, this system. So how they're going to be used, I, I lean more love right now, at least off the bat, especially with yeah. just freshly losing Darius guys, which sucks because uh, Corey Colker picked up my... Uh, Bryce Love before I even heard that Geis was arrested. <laughs> this dude was like, 
You didn't hear about that? Oh, man. I was so angry. And so... <laughs> um, so you got to be quick. Oh, man. You got to be quick. This is why you got to pay attention every day, especially yep. in Dynasty. And so that's my bad. I, I, I bought the bullet on that one. And so... I don't see much from Peyton Barber going into this offense. Um, and then there's a few other guys here, too, uh, off the top of my head. Uh, I don't have it, um, but it, it, it doesn't matter. Lo- yeah. Love and Gibson is who you want to pay attention mm-hmm. to, and it's kind of a pick-your-guy type of scenario, okay? Um, Love, like I, I mentioned, I don't know if I mentioned, but he's only 5'9", 200 pounds, so he's a little bit smaller. So I am a little bit worried about him taking a huge workload, but both mm-hmm. of these guys are sub-4, 440 guys. Yeah. And so... Yeah. These guys are they have the drive don't to do sleep it. On... They've got the motivation and the drive to do it. Yeah, yeah absolutely. And you know, that's, and that's kind of my point is don't sleep on these guys. Okay. Yeah. Um, so we're gonna we're gonna we're gonna shoot this. We, we got this. So on through. Moving along. Yeah, struck on through. NFC South. I apologize if this runs as a long podcast, but we're gonna give you all the information you need about the NFC in one one hour hour and a half long segment instead of a two hour two two hour or two one single hours. Man, I can't talk to yeah. this well, and, podcast, and, and, right? and truth be told, in the NFC, there, there's there's the big highlight points to hit. Mm-hmm. And then there's just some, okay, here's some additional news, but not that important. At least as far as fantasy known. implications are concerned. For sure. So let, let's head on down to Tampa Bay. Let's talk about the Bucks. Let's talk about these Bucks. And there's a big move on this roster coming yeah. in. You're absolutely right. Uh, Tom Brady is just... If you would have told me, you know, even five years ago, Tom Brady would be playing for the Bucks at 42 <laughs> no years old. I, I'm no still, <laughs> I know it's for real, and I'm laughing about it because I just can't take you it. You know, out. he said he wanted to play until he was 45, and he's on his way to do it. You so. know what? More power to him. <laughs> More power to him. <laughs> yeah, the plant man is at it, man. And yep. so uh, this has all the markings of like a Joe Montana kind of thing to me. Which this situation, uh, I just I, I, every time I think about Tom Brady in the Tampa Bucks uniform, I just think of Joe Montana and the Kansas mm-hmm. City Chiefs. Yeah, and that's not actually encouraging, you know. If you remember, Joe Montana didn't exactly have some of the greatest years over there, and so does anyone really with the Chiefs? <laughs> well, I mean, now <laughs> <laughs> um, with the Bucks, I, I think that Tom Brady, I think I think that he can still get it done. Yeah, I think that this guy really is the goat. I believe in the talent, and if you believe in any of the hype that he's been putting out from his Twitter stuff, man, yeah. man, he does. Man, it, man, it's, it's tough. It's tough. it's tough not to get excited about Tom Brady. <laughs> yeah. with all the hype that's been, and he's put not out. going there alone. Especially and, seeing him on a different team. Yeah. Like I really want to see where he goes with this, you know. And it's seeing him with those weapons, right? Yeah. Chris Godwin and Mike Evans. He's got Gronk and OJ he's Howard. Got Gronk, yep. We've never seen him with pass catchers like this before. Yeah. And so I am really curious. Now, we've seen Bruce Arians let the old quarterbacks a la Kirk Cousin, Carson mm-hmm. Palmer, air it out and ball out for over four thousand years. I want to say like over forty five hundred. I gotta look up that stat. But, you know, we've seen Arians trust his older quarterbacks to do that. Yeah. Yeah. Tom Brady is a guy who's shown he could be a 5,000-yard push in 50, you know, maybe, let's call it 40. Let's say yeah. if he pushes 40 touchdowns this season, he's going to be a monster. Yeah. You know and what you I'm know saying? he's capable of doing it. And that's what I'm saying. It. Now, in recent years, what I've seen is a little bit off the deep ball on Tom Brady, which concerns me for Mike Evans here. And I think that this is, there's two main questions about this team here because everyone seems to be okay with the fact that you can get Tom Brady uh, as like the 10th to 12th quarterback off the board, mm-hmm. right? And so there's not really a lot of questions there with that because he's either going to have that really high upside or he's just going to be just a guy, yeah. right? And so what you want to know is Chris Godwin, Mike Evans, and you want to know Rojo Vaughn, right? Don't worry about LaShawn McCoy. I know that they signed LaShawn McCoy. Uh, they signed him to a one-year, $1 million deal. I think that's just a COVID insurance policy thing. I, I don't I don't see him taking much production away from whoever the mainstay starter is down in Tampa for the mm-hmm. running back position. So 
since we were just talking about Brady, let's go with uh, Evans and Godwin. Now, Godwin is traditionally more the slot guy. He's going to be the hard target volume guy. That's the guy Brady likes, Julian Edelman, right? Yeah. And so Chris Godwin, we saw blow up last season. We saw him break into the top 10. We saw him outproduce Mike Evans and kind of be the team's actual number one receiver, at least from a production standpoint. Now, I would still absolutely consider Mike Evans the alpha in this yeah. room. Mm-hmm. But that doesn't necessarily mean that he's going to get that production. But he's always going to get that coverage, which yeah, is nice. Definitely. So I think Chris Godwin is someone that you can just you know, laugh all the way to the bank if you got yeah. him in your draft, okay? Yeah. Um, Mike Evans is the guy that I'm a little bit concerned about. Um, I, I'm honestly terrified of Tom Brady throwing the ball deep to Mike Evans and how much. I see Mike Evans as kind of like a 60 reception, nine touchdown kind of guy this year. Now I think that Brady's going to go to Evans a lot in the red zone, but I don't think you can count on him for a high floor. Yeah, yeah. And so that really concerns me on a week-to-week basis for Evans. And I think you've always kind of seen Evans be a Nas kind of guy where yeah. he's 30 points or five mm-hmm. points. You know, I think he put up a literal goose egg when he was on the field for every snap last season for, for a game. <laughs> I was it was unbelievable. I couldn't. I, he's never on any of my teams for that reason, and I was still baffled by it. And yeah. So with Mike Evans, I'm even more worried about trusting him this season, even though I think that the production could come from Brady. I just don't know when you can gamble on it. That's the problem. Same kind of thing kind of goes for Gronk. I think Gronk's going to be used as a red zone kind of guy. I don't know that you see a lot of production in between the 20s with Gronk or even O.J. Howard with the way that Bruce Arians runs his offenses, right? Now, Tom Brady, you can make the argument that it's Tom Brady. He likes his tight ends. Yeah, yeah. But, and there's going to be some kind of marriage between Brady and the way he does things in Arians, Mm -hmm. you know, I just don't think that you're going to see a whole lot of consistent fantasy-relevant production here. And fantasy-relevant is really the key that I want to drive home here because these guys are going to be good on the field. Yeah. Gronk is great. He's going to be a Hall of Famer. O.J. Howard is, if he ever gets a chance to put some on-field production, right. could have a Hall of Fame career. Well, I mean, like we said before, on the field doesn't always translate to in the fantasy world. Yeah. And in the fantasy world doesn't always translate to on, on the, the field, field as far as winning. So... You gotta watch these numbers and see how they come in and how they impact. Because you know, even stars of a game, you'll look at their fantasy production that week and think, really? Yeah. That's it. That's all that came of it. Yeah. When you when you draft these guys to carry you, you need them to carry you. Right. You know, you know for sure. And so, Mike Evans has never been really a guy I want to trust for that reason, just alone. Yeah. Um. I, I personally, the way I run my fantasy teams is I like the guys that I I know are gonna give me like. My ten point, my double digit production mm-hmm. weeks tend to give me ten to twelve points every single week, and then for my first, my first three picks, my first three round guys, I'm looking for a fifteen to twenty. I'm looking for a, you know, a fifteen point right about, you know, like I think a thirteen to seventeen range, and then I'm looking for a ten to fifteen guy. Yeah. And then if I can bank on that and bank on ten points every week from the rest of my squad, it's going to be darn tough to beat me week in week yeah, out. Right. I'll probably make the playoffs, and that's, it's it's getting through into the playoffs because at that point it's winner winner go home. Right, anything can happen in the playoffs, yeah. and so it's really just getting to that point that matters, and that's why I I, I tend to stand stay away from the Nos guys early because I'll target the kind of game breakers late because I like I like to head bank on my production that I'm drafting. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Um, and so with this running back room, uh, there's really only one thing to talk about left with these bucks, and I'm gonna I don't have the time to go in depth with it, so all I'm gonna say is this: the answer is Rojo seventh rounder later. That's what you want to look for. If you want to put your chips on somebody in this backfield, Rojo, seventh rounder later, go for it. And then you'll probably be pleasantly surprised. I could be wrong, but uh, I'll go more in depth. And you have been. Yeah, you know, you know, tweet at us. I will go more in depth on this all day right. long. Okay. All right, moving along to the Atlanta Falcons. Yeah, buddy. Matt Ryan is an enigma. 
Yeah. This, yeah, I have never definitely. seen a guy so up and down throughout his entire career. He goes from like finishing as a QB twelve to a QB two to mm-hmm. a QB eight to a QB one to a QB fifteen to a QB six. You Talk know, about a bouncer. Yeah. <laughs> this guy, you can set your watch to which, and, and I, I can't remember. Are we on an up year or a down year for for uh, for Matt Ryan? I think we're on an up year this year. Yeah, I think we're on an up year. So. Okay, but you know he is getting a little bit older, so it is getting a little bit harder for me to trust that uh, schematic. Right. They do have Julio Jones, who's also getting older, and then they have Calvin Ridley. So here's where I'm at. Julio Jones is going to be a target monster. He's mm-hmm. going to be to a high floor production. I have him in my top five wide yeah. receivers. Oh, yeah. Feel you safe drafting him early. Out, yeah. Julio Jones is the last wide receiver that I am willing to draft in the first two rounds. Now, why is that? Uh, just past him, I'm, I'm, a, I'm a little bit worried about production, and I'd rather go with the running backs in that yeah. area versus and, and grab my grab my DJ Moore, DJ Chark, uh, yeah. you know, Robert Woods. Uh, grab those kinds of guys uh, and maybe like the third, fourth, fifth rounds type okay. of thing. Uh, you know, stay fluid. Always let the draft come to you. Don't reach for players. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? Take take the value you know is going to be great. Yeah, let it flow. Yep. Exactly. And so with Julio Jones, you can definitely do that. I have Calvin Ridley as my high target. I traded a ton away to get him in our Dynasty League this mm. year. I really wanted to shore up my, fan, my fantasy football uh, Dynasty team's uh, wide receiver position. And so Calvin Ridley and DJ Chark were two of the guys that I brought in. And so uh, with Mosinu gone... And then Hayden Hurst being first year in the system, mm-hmm. all the attention is going to go to Julio as far as coverage goes, yeah. right? They're never going to really double Calvin Ridley. They're always right. going to double double Julio Jones, right? And so, and that's what kind of what I learned last year when I was when I was playing through the season. What I kind of noticed is I took a lot of bets on wide receiver ones. What I should have done is taken the bets on wide receiver twos, the the Calvin Ridleys, the Michael Gallups, mm-hmm. the Robert Woods. You know, uh, those were the guys who were getting all the consistent volume, and they were never getting doubled. Yeah. You know what I mean? And so they were getting the consistent production. And that's really what I took away from my fantasy football season last year. Mm-hmm. And I had kind of a down year. You know, I, my first three Browns were, my first three picks were all busts. And that, that hurt me. I, I ended up with the, uh, that, uh, the, the turn, at the, the pick 10 at the turn. Yeah. We have a 10-team league. And uh, I took my shots on James Conner, David Johnson, and Adam Thielen. And so... You win some, you lose You some. win some, you lose some. <laughs> yeah. And so um, there we have it. And so... Um, you know, with this Falcons team, take your bets on on Julio Jones. Take your bets on Calvin Ridley. Feel confident in that. Now, if you don't want to take Calvin Ridley as, a, as your wide receiver one, I'm totally cool with that. Yeah. But he's going to be a monster wide receiver yeah. too. Okay? Hayden Hurst is a guy that you can trust. I have this guy as better than Austin Hooper ever was. Ever really? will be. Ever, ever, ever. Hayden Hurst is an incredible talent, and I think he's going to thrive. Right there, yeah. He's going to thrive in this offense, man. Um, and then Todd Gurley is the big question mark coming into here. Now, what do you believe about freaking Todd Gurley in those knees? I don't know. It's tough. I've heard really convincing arguments. You really got to sit right. there and weigh your options with it. You got to you got to think about whether yeah. it's worth it. I, I, you're going to have a good outcome. I haven't heard anything to convince me for certain one way or the other. Yeah, yeah. It's like every time I see something, I'm like, oh, okay. Then oh no no no, it's this way. No no no, it's probably. I no straight answer. Yeah, come on anywhere. So you got some red flags going up, and you got some yeah. Yeah, there you are. You know, because about, yeah. he's being drafted in the third round right now, right? Which means so if you're looking at drafting Ty Gurley, you probably went mm. one receiver, one running back, mm-hmm. or two running backs, right? So if yeah. you went two running back heavy, are you really going to draft Todd Gurley in the third round? Probably not. Probably right. Not. I have done it in some mock drafts just to see and put a Todd Gurley in my flex just to have that, and it worked out pretty good. I liked my receivers. I ended up with like a DJ Moore, Hollywood Brown, and DJ Chark. Okay. 
and I am more than happy with that. Yeah. Yeah. If I'm if I'm rolling through my season with, I forget who the running backs I took, but let's just say, um, let's just go with like say Dalvin uh, Dalvin Cook and uh, Nick Chubb. Yeah. If I'm running Dalvin Cook, Nick Chubb, and uh, you know. Uh, Todd Gurley is my three running backs with those kinds of receivers. I'm pretty happy with that. Yeah, definitely. you know what I'm saying. If you took a running back and a wide receiver, let's say you ended up with like say um, you know an Alvin Kamara and a Julio Jones. Mm-hmm. Okay, so if you have Alvin Kamara and Julio Jones, do you want to draft Todd Gurley as your number two running back? I don't. Maybe not. You know what I mean? Maybe not. Because what we saw from Alvin Kamara last year, uh, you know, you still have Lat Murray there. Mm-hmm. Those types of things. If you're in a position where you have to trust him, I don't think you want him in the third round. Yep. And so, to me, he's kind of like that high upside pick that's going to be a league winner or a complete bust. So if you're looking at drafting him in the third round, make sure that your team is set up in a position where it's not going to hurt you if he busts. Yeah. And that, that'd be kind of my advice for Absolutely. handling Todd Gurley. Yeah. Fair? That's a good Fair advice. There. Yeah, okay. Definitely. Hard to argue with it. Okay. okay. Should ahead. we move on? Yes, please. Move on. Carolina. Panthers. See, this is what I'm talking about when I when I mentioned before the the, the team record. This is last place at five and eleven. Five and eleven, yep. Yeah, you know the Panthers are versus versus a third place at four and twelve. Yeah. <laughs> I, okay, this is what I expect a last place to look like. Yeah. So some divisions are closer than others. Right. Yeah. You know? So for sure. Um, when it comes to the Panthers, I really love the Teddy Bridgewater signing. I think oh, he's yeah. a great short pass kind of game manager with some game. Low probability game breaking ability, right? Yeah. He's not going to hit that all the time, but he does have that. He's, he's going to show that every now and again, yeah. right? He's got some legs to him. He's finally recovered from that horrific injury. He's had a year under Drew Brees. He looked good in uh, New Orleans. But most importantly, the talent around him. Mm-hmm. Now, this is where I'm encouraged, okay? Teddy Bridgewater is a short pass kind of guy. If you can give him short passes that he's comfortable with, He's a great quarterback yeah. all day long. Yeah. Now, he might not be the most productive for fantasy purposes. I have him just inside of my top 15, I believe, okay. if I'm not mistaken, off my rankings. Um, but you have Christian McCaffrey behind him in the backfield. He's just flat out a monster. He's going to do he, – he, number one, he's he, he's my fantasy running back in dynasty. So <laughs> yeah. um, enjoy that, guys. Yeah, right. yeah. Thanks. <laughs> um, but where I'm encouraged is, you know, obviously the checkdowns out of the backfield for Teddy Bridgewater, right? But then you also have DJ Moore. And this is where I really want to make my money here on this Panthers team. I think that Teddy Bridgewater and DJ Moore is the perfect marriage. Yeah. I think that it's rare to see uh, a combination of players, a, a player. What I look like, when you when you talk about fantasy football, the two things that you want to look at are talent and opportunity. Yeah. Now, if a, a guy has all the talent in the world, but if he doesn't get on the field, a la Kenyon Drake, right. he ain't going to do crap. He, yeah. Yeah, what good is he, right? Yeah, but as soon as he time. got that opportunity yeah. in Arizona, this guy is now a top 10 fantasy football running back, and he's mm-hmm. electric, right? So when you look at um, the talent and opportunity, uh, and the, basically you want to look at situations. I play a lot of situational fantasy football. Yeah. Um, I look at. I don't just look at the player and what he's capable of. I don't look at just the situation and what the team is capable of. I look at kind of both. And when I look at the Panthers... I see a perfect marriage of the type of system that this offense is projected to be under the new head coach, mm-hmm. right? Uh, uh, Rule, Matt Rule, I think. Matt Rule. Um, and you know, uh, the, the kind of style of football that he's going to th- He was also uh, formerly uh, Robbie Anderson, the new addition to the team with that mm-hmm. wide receiver. He was formerly Robbie Anderson's coach. And a lot of people think that they brought him in for that $10 million contract. Yeah. Because they want to really, that coach really wants to use him and implement yeah. him, right? And Robbie Anderson is a great field stretcher, mm-hmm. right? 
And so what's that going to do for DJ Moore and Teddy Bridgewater and Ian Thomas and Christian McCaffrey? It's going to open up everything yeah. underneath. And so I'm really high in DJ Moore. I'm really high in Ian Thomas. I'm really high in Christian McCaffrey because when you look at these three players and the style of football that Teddy Bridgewater likes to play, you have Curtis Samuel and you have Robbie Anderson that are going to keep defenses honest and it's going to allow Teddy Bridgewater to do what he wants to do and what he's successful at all day long. And so I'm, I'm really excited about watching DJ Moore put up over 100 receptions this year. Yeah. Yeah. I have him monstrously high in my rankings. I'm excited to watch Teddy Bridgewater. Yeah, for sure. And so I don't think he's going to blow you away with kind of like Tyrod Taylor-esque numbers, but a little bit better in the passing production yeah. from, for what I have uh, still estimated. Still going to be a good show. Yeah, yeah. for sure. I think yeah. it'll, for it'll sure. still make for, a, and for these, a good team. And don't forget that this defense is going to be bad. They lost sure. Luke Kuechly. Yeah. Okay, Luke Kuechly, I'm sorry. Um, and they have a lot of dirt turnover in general at the defensive position, and they brought in a lot. Uh, a lot of young guys, okay? Mm-hmm. And so it's going to take them some time. This defense is not going to look good right away. And so you're going to need a lot more offensive production. Yeah. Okay? All right. Moving into your boys. My boys, the Saints. And I will say my boys because <laughs> I'm a Purdue grad and Drew Brees is a Purdue grad. So <laughs> one of the one of the few good things to come out of Purdue athletics in, in recent memory. Um, and they wear our colors. Yeah. Uh, I always, always been a fan of Drew Brees because... One genuine, well, aside from you know a little bit of offseason happenings this year with some controversial statements, but mm-hmm. you know that notwithstanding, otherwise a very genuine person, yeah, and just a master at the position. Yeah. Like maybe maybe he doesn't have always the longest throw. He may not be the fastest quarterback, but my God, does he know that position and play it well? Yeah, oh he's definitely God. shown what he's good for. Yeah. He's, yeah. he's definitely shown us the most accurate quarterback in NFL history, right? right. Uh, yeah, I mean, this guy's just breaking left records left and right. He wants to win that Super Bowl, man. Yeah. This team, I just, I, I just feel bad about. I'm sorry for the penalties on behalf of the rest <laughs> of the NFL, Don. I apologize to you <laughs> for the entire Saints. I apologize about the refereeing. Those okay, rest, yeah. I am so sorry. This this team is ready to win a Super Bowl, yeah. and I. The aggravation from watching the Saints does not come yep, they, from the they Saints. They deserve it. <laughs> they do. They really, they really, really do. do. Now, I mean, I'm conflicted because they're NFC and I want the Bears to go, right? Well, naturally. Okay, but, but, you know. But, but you still like to see that W. You'd oh, my like goodness. Man, the, these Saints, man. Yeah. <laughs> so, what we saw last year was Super Camario not being so uh, super. And so his, his star power ran out. He, you know, he, he got hit and that, that he went down from the big mushroom to the little guy, right? And so uh, that ankle injury really hobbled him. And it was a high ankle sprain. And just like we saw it hobble Saquon, Kamara was the yeah. same thing. Okay. Uh, Latavius Murray, uh, the question mark we had with Mark Ingram leaving and then Latavius Murray coming in with Alvin Kamara there was, is he going to inherit the Mark Ingram role? Mm. Okay. We mostly saw that. And we mostly saw Latavius Murray do pretty good. Now, he wasn't Mark Ingram, but he wasn't bad either. And so I think that um, you're still not going to get Alvin Kamara getting too many touches. They're still probably going to limit him to keep him fresh and keep those. But his whole thing has been efficiency. Right. So if he can maintain his efficiency when healthy, I think that um, he's got a legitimate chance to be a top five running back again. My worry is just that's always a gamble, right? Right, and so I love Alvin Kamara, and it pains me to say this greatly, but drafting him in the top five running backs, I just I get butterflies, man. It's just one of those things that makes you nervous because you know that you're betting on the player, the talent, and the fact that they're just going to use him. Now he does; he's not playing behind Mark Ingram anymore, so it's a little bit less of a risk, right? But 
if he gets hurt, you're probably not getting his handcuff in Latavius Murray. Right. You're probably going to have to transition elsewhere, yeah. right? And so, because Murray's going to be one of those higher drafted handcuffs. And so, um, good news is what I've seen in mock drafts so far indicate that you can get Murray later. Um, however, personal experience tells me mock drafts and home and, and actual <laughs> drafts, actually, yeah. especially in your home leagues, we have these podcasts for a reason because people listen to them yeah. right. and other people are going to have this information. Yep. And so if you're hoping to get Latavius Murray in the 10th round, he might be gone before yeah. then, buddy. I'm <laughs> listen sorry. Listen up now. Yeah, listen <laughs> up now and heed this advice, I'm telling you. Um, past that, this team is just going to do what it's always done. Michael Thomas is going to be near the number one receiver, if not mm-hmm. the number one. Manny Sanders comes in, is going to be better for oh, football yeah. than for fantasy football. <laughs> but yeah. he's still going to be reliable for Drew Brees. And so that's encouraging for Drew Brees if right. he's one of your late-round quarterback yep. shots. That's exactly what you want to see. And then Jared Cook, right? Uh, Jared Cook performed admirably last season. Uh, low volume, Another low-volume guy. So here's the thing. I feel like you can listen to my my Jared Cook advice because I've been almost spot on on this guy every year, and I've specifically addressed this guy every year. Mm-hmm. Now, last uh, not last year, the year prior to last year, he was uh, a, a huge target in the uh, Raiders' offense, and you kind of yeah. saw that coming with him, right? Because they ne- they needed to highly target the um, Jared, the tight end position. Uh, and Jared Cook was fully capable, and they didn't really have a lot of receiving options. Now, last year in New Orleans, you have Michael Thomas, and then you really had nobody, yeah. right? And Drew Brees does like to utilize his tight ends, yeah. and Jared Cook is uh, definitely talented, but he's also aging, yeah. okay? He's not quite the player that he used to be, and he's shown that he's not going to get as much value in this offense now. He also showed that he could have massive production from yeah. that. But the, this is where fantasy football, I think it's, it's really important um, you, you, when you look at guys that were otherworldly product, productive, the guys that have otherworldly efficiency, the AJ Brown, mm-hmm. the Jared Cook, you know, the things like that, the, the otherworldly efficiency without the volume to back it up, right. those are the risky picks going into the following season. Okay, those are the guys that you that are the risk. Uh, factors for like bust candidates. Yeah. Okay, now I'm not saying that Jared Cook or AJ Brown is going to bust by any means, but what I'm saying is that is a good marker for uh, a potential bust at that position. Yeah. And so you should have that risk baked into where you're drafting these kind of guys, okay? And so right around where Jerry Cook's going, he's going at the, uh, you know, between the uh, tight end 7 to 10 range. You can usually get him late in your drafts as your tight end going to the season. But I'd rather take my shot at the Jonu Smith. Well, Hayden Hurst if I can get him, right? Sure. Jonu jo- Smith, uh, Chris Hernan, Ian Thomas, and I still can't remember the fourth freaking guy. <laughs> yeah. Good, let's we'll hope get it, you we'll don't get him I'm going to go look back at what you said before, and I'm going to pick him up. Yeah, no kidding. Um, but it, wouldn't it be something if it turns out to be some phantom fourth guy? Yeah, right. <laughs> like, I thought I mentioned somebody else, and I know yeah, just, maybe it is. just, maybe, maybe just never it. did. Maybe it's Will Disley over here in the Seahawks. We'll, we'll get to them last, hey, we're going to wrap what? up with them. You can do worse. <laughs> you better, but you can do worse. You know, uh, yeah, no, that's true. I mean, big, you know, Will Disley's just a monster, man, and I, I hope nothing but the best for the. We're going to get to him, I promise. <laughs> okay, so we're going to go into the Cardinals first, yeah? NFC West, into the Cardinals. Last place, 5 10 and 1. Yeah, buddy. I am excited about this team. Yeah. I am straight up excited about this team. And so. Uh, Kyler Murray was a guy that I was all in on last year. Uh, he finished in the both. top ten, which was for as a rookie quarterback, I was you know breathing the sigh of relief, doing the victory <laughs> lap, yep. all of it, man. 
Uh, I w- that was a risky pick. I and had him in a league, and boy, did I feel like I struck gold. <laughs> you know, he he wasn't reliable every game, but he put up really solid numbers yeah. anytime he had a decent game. And so, because of that running baseline, right? that quarterback position yeah. in fantasy football, it's all about that running baseline. Yeah. And that's why Lamar Jackson is so uh, otherworldly right now. Definitely. Right now, Definitely. I've already given my thoughts on him, and we're just going to move on from that. <laughs> but... Um, you know, the, the, the part I want to talk about with this team is going to be the Kenyon Drake and um, DeAndre Hopkins additions. Yep. Now, Kenyon Drake came in last year, uh, just looked like he was tailor He was designed, tailor-made by God, to fit into Cliff Kingsbury's <laughs> offense. And so, I don't know how many times we're going to see Kenyon Drake, uh, Kyler Murray, and Cliff Kingsbury all together running an offense. But while we have it, this should look spectacular. Yep. Right. Yep. It's at least going to be electric. Now, I don't know how consistently productive they're going to be. I don't know if they're going to struggle a lot of times to get things going because this is an offense that's going to be predicated on a lot of like running like a well-oiled machine. Yeah. Okay. When their gears are grinding, it's noticeable. Yep. Okay. And so it's it's really going to be based on how much fluidity can they get, how smoothly can they operate, and how well they can come together as a cohesive unit. Okay. Uh, but all bets are on uh, Kyler Murray, Kenyon Drake having monstrously great. Uh, fantasy production seasons and Chase Edmonds I mentioned as a high tier uh, fantasy handcuff absolutely Mm -hmm. absolutely Chase Edmonds okay and in fact Chase Edmonds is actually an afterthought at this point in fantasy football just by a lot of people especially the experts right Uh, who like the Alexander Madison and Tony Pollard Mm -hmm. they're almost not even mentioning Chase Edmonds in the same breath and so (laughs) if you're a guy that likes to handcuff your running backs like a Kenyon Drake because he's never seen a full workload for a full season that is a risk and he's being drafted as a top 10 guy who where I absolutely think he can finish but it's the reason why I'm so encouraged about this backfield is because it's not just Kenyon Drake it's the running the Arizona running back will be a top 10 running back on a week-to-week basis, yeah. okay? And that's really where I want to drive this point home because if Kenyon Drake does go down with an injury and he can't handle the full workload, well, Chase Edmonds, is you're not going to lose much. Right. We yeah. saw that last season, and I don't see any reason why we should think differently going into this yeah. season. Right. And so um, you can absolutely handcuff your kid. Now, this is, this is the situation. If you were to pull the Kenyon Drake, I, I recommend you try to grab, reach for Chase Edmonds maybe a round or two even early just to secu- secure him. Right. Uh, with DeAndre Hopkins coming in, you can draft him as a high-profile wide receiver. I would start to target him towards the end of the first round. Second, uh, you know, if I could get him towards the end of the second round, I am as happy as a clam. Okay, <laughs> uh, but I don't expect the same kind of targets. Yeah. Uh, because they, these guys run four wide. They like to spread the ball. They they have options. They have a lot. They like to play speed football. Now yeah. Hopkins is going to get his, and he's one of the best receivers in the league, hands down. But there's a lot of other miles to feed here. And yeah. so uh, be wary on trusting him as the highest uh, the, at the position, okay? Yeah. Yeah. Um, I don't really see a lot, whole lot other to talk about with these guys. Their defense needs to improve, but that's just good for their offense for fantasy. <laughs> right. Um, okay. Yeah. 49ers. Harukin. <laughs> you can um, yeah let's just just so everyone knows who we're talking about so Brandon Ayukin I think Brandon's his first name right he's where's, where's our sheet where's my sheet over here right okay Brandon Ayukin I was yep. Arizona State wide receiver now this guy is lightning in a bottle um, he only I think ran a 4-5 but this guy's a super talented receiver and uh, the Niners have a plan for how they want to use him now they did have Jalen Hurd went down recently with an ACL tear mm-hmm. Um, he's gone again. And so um, that's going to be two lost seasons for Jalen Hurd. That sucks. He was a great, great prospect. I really wanted to see what he could do on the field. Mm-hmm. Debo Samuel. Debo Samuel is a man who 
man, he was a man. A man of a man <laughs> last season. He was just powering through everybody, man. Um, this guy turned out to be a monster in his rookie year, and we were really looking forward to seeing what he could do coming into year two. Was he going to lead up this team at the wide receiver position? Yeah. Well, he's hurt. Now, he's projected to be back for week one. I think he had a foot injury, if I'm not mistaken. I don't remember off the top of my head. But uh, they're projecting to be back for week one, but they're also kind of easing him along in a way that's kind of a little disconcerting. And they're they're showing that he might not be ready till weeks like two or three or something like that. Yeah. And so what's this re- receiving core going to look like this year? I mean, obviously <clears throat> you can count on George Kittle, mm-hmm. right? Uh, past that, I think you can actually rely on Ayukin here. And Ayukin's yeah. almost an afterthought in drafts as well right now and so and remember this was another first round pick for the Niners now I don't really see what they saw in him over some other guys however um, these guys clearly believe in him and about fantasy it's about talent and opportunity and he's obviously talented enough to be a first round pick and he's clearly going to get an opportunity now right so so definitely keep him in this is definitely a good late round shot for sure because he's he's basically coming at least free Um, and they're going to want to prove the worth by having spent a first round pick so that the activity is going to be there, right? Maybe, maybe not. But John Lynch is um, a, a self-known badass, and he doesn't really <laughs> yeah. give a shit what you think. Yeah. And, so, and so they don't really yeah, what they, do I know? They, they don't really mind. <laughs> well, my point is more that yeah. they don't really mind moving away from anything that they need to move away from. Yeah, yeah. which um, is good. That's a good attitude to have. For you, sure. You know, you can't have that sunk cost fallacy and anything. And well, we wasted a first round pick. We got to play him. No. Yeah, I think he's going to get out of the, on, on, onto the field more due to um, injuries at the mm-hmm. position than anything, and that's that's really really where you're looking for what what opportunities are now available to a guy who's t- at least talented enough, and that that for late round stuff, that's what you're looking at, yeah. and that that's you don't win your fantasy football leagues at the draft. You win it by managing your team and constantly paying attention and looking for what's the next big thing, what's the next hit. Managing that waiver wire, making trades, getting people off other people's rosters that they're holding and might be annoyed with. Mm-hmm. You know what I'm saying? I um, challenge you to find any fantasy football player whose team at the end of the season looks like their draft team. <laughs> exactly. It just doesn't happen. That's not how you win a fantasy football championship. No. And if you want to win your league and you want to try to beat me in ours... This is what you got to do, man. You you got to hit it. You got to go get me. it. Well, in dynasty, at in least. dynasty. <laughs> <laughs> well, no, I think my I think my dynasty, my dynasty team's a monster. Yeah, I'm, I'm telling you. Yeah, you I don't know. I don't know. But, um, but, <laughs> but anyway, so uh, the only other thing to talk about the 49ers is going to be the running back position. Now they did let go of Matt Breida. Uh, which does kind of help clarify things just a little bit because Burrito was always going to get his touches in this backfield, right? Mm-hmm. And because of the RBBC that Kyle Shanahan likes to run, it's always a crapshoot on which running back is going to get the production, mm-hmm. right? And that's always what kept me away from like Raheem Mostart and still kind of does because I, I just don't know that I can trust him for more than 15 carries any given week. If he got 15 carries every week, I think I'd, I'd, I'd be willing to trust him. Yeah. But I don't even know that I trust that. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? Yeah. And you can get Raheem Mostert in like the fifth round, I think, is where his ADP is is, is putting him. But what if he's a, he's a ten touch guy? What if Tevin Coleman gets the majority of the carries? What if it's really a four headed monster between Jarek McKin- with Jarek McKinnon and Jeff Wilson Jr. who was still on the team, and Jeff Wilson Jr. who snaked his own fair share of touchdowns last season? What if Raheem Mostert doesn't get the touchdowns he yeah. got last yeah. season? This is a guy who is not only has the talent and potentially the opportunity to finish in the top 15 at the running back position that you're getting in the fifth round or later in in Mostert, right? This is really the guy that you got to question, right? But the problem is, is I just don't know that you can bank on him getting the production to 
do it or getting the volume i, I should say so right now he's just a big question mark it's to me he's a huge question game, yeah. mark and you know i just don't know that i trust it I, 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 I'm looking at other guys now. If he falls to me at a position where I don't have to rely on him in my lineup at all and I can just plug him in at no cost at any point down the line, absolutely. That's in, that's the point in the draft where I'm looking to take him. Yeah. If if my, my starting running backs are filled out and I can have Raheem Mostert as an afterthought that if he hits, that's a league winner. Yeah. He would be a league winner if yeah. he hits. And so that's kind of the big thing. But... Um, a lot of people are really high on him, and so if you don't draft him in the fifth round, you might not get him. And so that's kind of where we're at with him. Uh, so bear that in mind. Okay. Now off to some former Midwesterners that left us for L.A., the Rams. Hmm. Yeah, you know. Um, <laughs> home, home to one of, my, one of my guys in Cooper Cup. Yeah, so oddly enough, the Rams are not a team that I want to do a whole lot of talking about. And so, if I'm just going to run through what I what I Wait, what no. I want to point yeah. out about this team or what you need yeah. to know, and then if you guys want to add anything onto here at the end of it or have any questions, sure, I've got nothing. To how say about we just go with that? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So the reason being is they guys. Here's the thing: they have so much firepower, they have so much talent, and then they have Sean McVay, who's just a legit genius, yeah. right? Offensive guru already, and the dude's younger than me. I hate him. <laughs> 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 and so, um, the. There's a problem with this team though, and I, and I, I saw it last year, and I was so disgusted by it that I just I don't know that I want to trust this team this year, and that's the offensive line. And so the reason why I don't want to spend a lot of time talking about the Los Angeles Rams is because all I really have to say is whether you get 2018 or 2019 Rams is going to depend on one thing: their offensive line. Yep. And they're projected to have the worst offensive line in the league again this year. So you're not really looking for a good return on that. And so I'm kind of a prove to me that you can do it again yeah, yeah. before yeah. I trust you. One of those kind of mentality. You know, I'm, I'm not happy with how much they let everybody down last season. I'm not happy with the way they managed Todd Gurley. I'm mm-hmm. not. You know, they, he, you want an argument against Todd Gurley and drafting him from, on the Falcons. The Rams are literally paying Todd, Todd Gurley's salary this year. They let, they, they're, they're paying him to play on another team. That's how bad they didn't want him on their yeah. team. <laughs> that okay. says a lot. Man. That says a lot. Take okay. this and leave. Yeah. Now, you got to take that with a grain of salt. Yeah. Take mm. it and go. And so you got to take it with a grain of salt because, you know, the Rams are the Rams are in a similar situation as the Bears where they were so hyped about the young talent that they had that they built to win now, and their salary cap situation is dire. Yeah. yeah. And the Bears are in the same boat, right, which is why we see a lot of the weird moves that we see with these two teams. And so I don't think that you can completely discount that altogether from the Rams because of the way that their future outlook and, you know, they were probably looking at Cam Akers in the draft. They, you know, they went right after him. And, you know, Cam Akers is a guy who had production last year in Florida State with one of the worst offensive lines in college. Mm. And so what can he do with the Rams? But my question is, this is a team that still is publicly high on Malcolm Brown and drafted Daryl Henderson. So how much is... Cam Maker's going to get onto the field this year. Yeah. You know, is he the most talented back in the backfield? Probably. Is it going to be his starting role to have going into next season and we're going to be talking about him as a top 20 back? Probably. probably. Right, probably. But this year, I think it's all about their line. And yeah. mm-hmm. that's where the 12 personnel kind of comes into play. So this is really the only thing that I really want to talk about with the Rams. Everyone's been talking about their 12 personnel and it's for, a, and in this, in this instance, it's for a reason. 
they showed that they could be better. They could be more productive on offense, running the 12 personnel system with both Tyler Higby and Gerald Everett on the field, and uh, that that third wide an afterthought. <laughs> I, I, sorry, dude, I don't know your name. Right. Um, but you gotta earn that. Yeah, you gotta earn that. <laughs> Thank you. Um, but they did draft Bryson Hopkins too, and that's yeah. a guy that I do know. Um, I'm very, very high in Bryson Hopkins, and so I want. Actually, I was looking at him and Cole Komet as well. Um, so. Basically, when it comes to this Rams team, what you want to know is Cooper Cup, Robert Woods, and the 12 personnel set and how that's all going to shake out. So what we saw from um, Bryson Hopkins, by the way, who was another Purdue guy, mm-hmm. um, what we saw at the end of last year was Tyler Higby blow up, the Rams move to the 12 personnel, uh, Cooper Cup getting off the field a lot more, and uh, his, his on-field snap percentage dropping like a rock. And him really not having any success at all on the outside on the perimeter, mm-hmm. right? Um, him and Juju kind of just bombed it last year at handling <laughs> the, the outside wide receiver roles. They almost, uh, from a perspective of a fan, it almost seems like they have to be relegated to the slot, yeah. right? And so what's that going to look like? That was my concern about Cup going into the season right. is I don't know how much I can count on him. Now, I did hear an interesting point brought up by the fantasy footballers, and I'll, I'll, I'll give our enemies here a little plug. Uh, <laughs> great, great, great podcast. Uh, great information from those sure. guys, okay? I heard an argument by their fearless leader, Andy Holloway, that um, Cooper Cup's production came a lot of times when he didn't have his highest on snap, snap percentages and on-field percentages, yeah. right? It, a lot of his best big game production came when he was really only on the field for 60-70% of plays. Right. And kind of like the keeping him fresh kind of theory. And this guy is a young talent, and he's six foot three. he's big, he's, yeah. he's hyper-athletic. Yeah. This kid is good. Yeah. Man. And I don't want to be down on Cooper Cup just because I traded away. I'm just a little bit scared trusting him going into my season. But that's what you need to know about Cooper Cup this year is you have to draft him in like somewhere what rounds two to four yeah. anywhere in there he's going and so it, it depends on what you believe some people have him before robert woods some people have him after personally i'm a robert woods over cooper cup this yeah. year kind of guy because i like robert woods's floor you know he's going to get 90 receptions if he stays healthy you know he's only going to get four touchdowns but if you're looking for if you want to go with say like a tyree kill mike evans one uh mari cooper one of yeah. those early nos guys and you compare that with a robert woods well, now all of a sudden you have your consistent production and your weak winning guy, yeah. and you yeah. can just roll with that. Yeah, right? you gotta you gotta remember. Don't forget about the consistency that you need to have in the team. You can have your big blow up guy, but you need that that stable base. Yeah, for sure, yeah. absolutely, and that's that, that that's absolutely it. And so and that's kind of what I'm talking about with roster construction and just kind of managing your players um, and those engines and NOS things, and yeah. you know those are the kind of situations you're going to be looking at for Cooper Cup. He's kind of a third party in that and I just don't know what to expect from him and he's going in that same range and so for those reasons I'm kind of out you know what I mean Um, I I wouldn't say I'm a a truther so much but I'm 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 gonna still give it a chance I'm mm -hmm. still gonna give him a chance yeah no I mean if you are a truther I don't blame you yeah you you know uh, absolutely and let's wrap this up. Going into our long, last team, we're a little bit over a half, hour and a half. I do apologize. That's fine. Guys, Routing us out. NFC, what? NFC in general, league in general. The the it, 2020 crazy COVID NFL offseason <laughs> coming to a wrap with the Seahawks, <laughs> the Seattle Seahawks, and Seattle's been an interesting town this summer. Yeah, let's <laughs> not, not just in football. Let's, let's not get into that. Let's just not. But more Story importantly, in time. football. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Um, 
So the story with this team is what is this offense going to look like? Because Pete Carroll, just like Kyle Shanahan, loves to run the mm-hmm. ball. Mm-hmm. Ravens, Niners, and Seahawks should be probably the three most heavy run-based teams in the league this yep. year. They'll probably have the most rush attempts as a team, cohesively between their, you know, their running back pieces. Mm-hmm. Okay, so you also have Russell Wilson, who has been for years begging for the chance to just really lead this team, let him air it yeah. out. It, he just, you know, it keeps on like, okay, well, we're going we're gonna to go with a running game. We're going to fall behind. Um, Russell, can you bear, can you dig us out in the last <laughs> last couple minutes of the game here, buddy? Thanks. Yeah. Appreciate it. Um, and the answer is yes. And the answer is usually but yes. He, but he wants that time to shine. Right. He, wants, you, he wants full spotlight. And, and here you have um, Chris Carson coming off a gnarly hip injury. Mm-hmm. That was a hip fracture. I don't now. All, That's all, a rough one. Yeah. And, and and this is where people are having a hard time with Chris Carson because he's another th- he's he's in this group with the Todd Gurley, Chris Carson, James Conner. Any of those guys hit, they can be potential league winners. Yeah. Any of those guys could not see really any action due to injury for the entire season. You know what I'm saying? They're they're all risky yeah. altogether. And so with Chris Carson, I, I, a lot of people want to consider him the safest among that bet, and I'm inclined to agree. The the problem, the hangup that I'm having is I want to see what he looks like running with running after that injury because I don't know yeah. that he comes back looking the exact same. No, he's probably going to have a very slow start. He's going to have, I'm, and I'm thinking a slow, at a minimum, a slower start to the season. Yeah, which means yeah. I'm having a harder time trusting him at that third spot if I'm if I'm going to go RB heavy that early. Yeah, because if if I'm going to go RB heavy that early and go even just one, two, three. Or uh, in a lot of leagues, I'm projecting and taking a tight end in the second round if I can get Kittle or Kelsey, right? A yep. lot, a lot. It's a very popular maneuver this season. If the guys in the second round that you like are not there, just grab Kittle or Kelsey. Yep. Yep. And that's a great buffer to going into the third round. I don't know that I want Chris Carson to sacrifice my wide receiver room uh, for my fantasy team for Chris Carson. You know what yeah. I'm saying? Or Todd Gurley or James Conner. Now, yeah. it, man. The, the, this is where I'm having my hangups, so this is where I project <laughs> you would have your hangups, right? And so with Chris Carson, I, I I feel like he's at least got to get off to a slow start. You have Rashad Penny starting on the pup and Carlos Hyde that they brought in behind to back up Chris Carson while you know Rashad Penny's on the pup. So in theory, really no nobody threatening Chris Carson for carries here. He should get the lion's share. It's going to be an RBBC no matter what. Yeah. We know that, right? What that looks like once Penny comes back, we'll see. But I can't imagine Carlos Hyde is going to dominate any kind of amount of touches, right? right? And so I think that Chris Carson's got the talent. He's got the receiving. He's got the receiving ability. Those receiving backs are really what you want to look for because those guys are going to be the guys that you know are going to be the top ten finishers. Yeah. Okay, you unless your name is Derrick Henry, you have to be a back that catches a lot of catch passes out of the backfield yeah. to finish in the top ten. And Chris Carson right has there. that ability yeah. absolutely. To me, all this murkiness around the running backs that they have to work with points to Russell Wilson being able to have a little bit more of a leash and taking over this team. DK Metcalf produced way more than anybody thought uh, he was going to do, including probably his coaches. Mm -hmm. You know what I'm saying? As far as on the field game day, rookies tend to take some time to develop and DK hit the ground running and was fantastic. So much so that nobody know like nobody's confident in their answer of who do you rank first, Tyler Lockett or DK Metcalf in this offense? Who do you draft? Who are you drafting out of this offense? Yeah, it's a tough question. Now, I mean, I think you got to give the edge to Tyler Lockett just based on veteranness and experience and things like that. But, you know, there's a world where DK Metcalf has a higher ceiling. Yeah. And yeah. there's a world where that hits this year. But and are you ready to take that gamble? 
you know, yeah. but but some people would say t- taking the gamble on Tyler Lockett is also a gamble. Right. Yeah. Right. But both I, these I, guys are top twenty guys. Yeah. Just from experience, I'd be more. I'd probably lean more comfortable with Lockett. Yeah. Me too. But I wouldn't be upset with Metcalf. You know, if so, yeah, it's not a lose lose situation. No, it's, it's not. So, and and kind of in one of those scenarios, basically, like whichever one comes off the board first, I'm gonna take the other one and see if I can get them around later. Right. Yeah. You know, I'm not even going to take them same round. I'm just going to take them the next round. See, see, see if they fall to me in the next round. Yeah. Because I think that overall production wise, it's going to be, you know, it, they're not going to be too far apart. I don't think. Yeah. I think it's going to be kind of one of those Kenny Galladay, Marvin Jones things where you're drafting Kenny Galladay in like the third round, but Marvin Jones is like in the eighth. Yeah. The the, the, the production dip is not that significant. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? And so if you can if you can take another player to significantly improve your team versus. And take the, the later round value that's slightly less production. I think that might be better for your team yeah. than taking the shot on the earlier guy. Well, you like you said earlier, don't go chase and let the let it fall to you. Let you yeah figure it out. Stick to the rivers and lakes that you're using. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah. You find those guys where they've got a comp somewhere else who it fewer people are looking at. Like we said in this case, just let them. If you don't get the guy you were hoping for. There's someone else out there right, that's a right. comp that's going to put up the same numbers, and if you pull them off a round or two later, what are you getting in exchange for that? Right. Well, probably tremendous value in another spot. And, and that's and that's and that's where you need to make your analysis, right? Is are you getting tremendous value, or should you just take yeah. the take take your shot on the guy you believe in now? Right. And those are the those, so no going into your drafts that those are the decisions you're going to be making, and have your plan. Go through, you know, I don't care whose rankings you use. You can use mine. I'm, mine are going to be made, being made available for public. You know, use some rankings. Take your picks on guys and what their ADPs are. And have yeah. have an idea of if, if my choices are this guy, this guy, this guy, and this guy, which one do I go with in what order? Right. And then always have a plan for in case all of these guys go before my next pick. Who's my Who's my fallback? Because the last thing you want is when you have 90 seconds on the clock and you're trying to figure out your pick trying to do all your research in that little 90 second period and then make a decision over who you're going to trust for the rest of your fantasy football season. Right, right. Your, your, your fantasy football season is not one at your drafts. But this is the foundation that's going to build how your fantasy football season is going to play out because you still need to make trades, you still need to make waiver wire additions, you still need to manage your team. So right. just be aware. Right. Well, with that, we will round out our off-season analysis of the NFL going into the 2020 season. Stay tuned with us as we get ready for when the season hits. You'll see us weekly talking about the things that have happened around our league and what's probably happening around your league. Give you some advice throughout the season and definitely be doing some trash talking among some of the people we play with. And we want to hear about that from you guys as well. Did you have a big week? Did you have a big win? And who do you want to throw some shade at in your league? Get in touch with us. You can email us, shyguysfootball at gmail.com. Twitter, at shyguysfootball. YouTube, Shy Guys Football, you're watching it here. Comment down below. We want to hear from you throughout the season. With that, we'll cue the music. I'm Donnie Mack, here with Tony and Eli, and we are out. We'll see you.